Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michelle, and today we're going to be talking about the astrology of October 2022. I hope that you're doing well out there today. I see some wonderful faces uh, stopping in in the chat. We're going to go on a journey today as we always do on the monthly forecast. I've got a number of lunations to talk about with you today, uh, plenty of ingresses, uh, planets moving into new signs, a whole mess of solar phases and relationships with the sun. Uh, we've got some out-of-bounds things to talk about today, including the moon and Mars. Uh, and then we also have a really interesting Hellenistic void, of course, moon this month that is worth spending some time discussing the difference between that and modern interpretations of the void, of course, moon. So I hope that you're all doing well out there. Just welcoming some nice friends here today. We've got Dimphy stopping in from the Netherlands. Hello, Dimphy. Rachel is here from rainy Virginia, sending owl energy. Oh, cool. I, I enjoy owl energy. Ali Cat is here from California. Hello, Ali Cat. Uh, excuse me. Remco is stopping in on a lovely autumn day in the Netherlands as well. Susanna is here from Finland. Hello, Susanna. Uh, and yes, we're all enjoying Venus's um, newly uh, return to her home domicile of Libra. So that uh, hopefully that is helping everyone kind of relax a little bit, <laughs> or maybe get to have their get along pants on slightly a little bit better. I'm just going to start pulling some cards out here today to to demonstrate some of the the astrology that we're going to be experiencing i feel like this is the point in the show where i'm like mr rogers like taking off my sweater and putting on my shoes and <laughs> like you know maybe i need to to sing a little song for you today won't you be my neighbor <laughs> like something like that um it's too bad I don't have a little trolley around me with little puppets that would talk to me during this, but you'll have to be, all of you will have to be that for me today. Okay, a few more friends stopping in. Azur is here from France who uh, shared a nice story um, that mentioned me in French the other day. They had to go to Google Translate to understand, but cheers to you, friend. Lynn is stopping in from Vermont. Uh, Tarja is here, stopping in briefly before class in Finland. Raven is stopping in from Kansas. We've got a number of really lovely faces here from our guided group study that uh, we started on Monday, which is really exciting. We have a really awesome group. We have about, about 16 people signed up for that and just some really knowledgeable folks, a lot of familiar faces from the chat. And we're already starting to get some really good questions on Demetra George's um, Ancient Astrology and Theory and Practice Volume 2 I'm really just super excited to dive into that because Demetra is one of my favorite astrologers of all time. And there's just so much to learn and so many nuances that can help bring us to um, a new understanding, if you will. So, um, yeah, so we'll, let's, let's dive into it. A few more people stepping in. Sheila is here from Vermont. Cherry is here from Chico, California. Fionn is joining us, I believe, from Ireland. So all sorts of lovely folks stopping in today. I'm so happy that you're uh, willing to share your day and your afternoon with me. And um, yeah, so let's kind of give you the overview. Um, we are 
of course in libra season welcome to libra season if you if you're just waking up from your nap um i feel like i've been waking up from a lot of naps lately as soon as libra season hit uh, as a leo ascendant my chart ruler is the sun and it is the sun is in its fall so there is kind of a um i don't know it feels like the vitality just kind of got drained out of me and all i want to do is go to bed at 8 30 and just like uh you know take naps in the middle of the afternoon it's really it's really interesting to see how the astrology is playing out like that it's always a really good um indication of your personal energy is what is the ruler of your first house doing uh, what kind of condition is it in uh, that can really give you a lot of um, insight into how much energy you might have in a, in a specific season so so for those of you Taurus risings and Libra risings, you're probably feeling a little bit better now because Venus is in a lot better condition than it was in the past month or so with Venus being in Virgo, which is its fall. Okay, so let's kind of talk about our lunations because we have a couple of really big lunations this month. We do have uh, a first quarter moon on the 2nd of October. Uh, we, and that's going to be, well, 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 let me back up for a second. This is Mercury retrograde here. First of all, let's get some business things out of the way before we dive into all the details. If you're new to this channel, please subscribe. Please hit the like button. Please sign up for the newsletter. Uh, there's a Libra Deccans sale that's going on. You can get 20% off my Libra uh, webinar on, on the Deccans of Libra, tarot, fixed stars, astrology, just a whole... Um, really thorough examination of Libra that you can find that on the store link at my website, spencermichaud.com. Uh, I also recently had uh, an, an interesting guest on, if you had, didn't see that, um, Achuta Babadas was on the show uh, last week for the new moon in Libra one, although he made it a very interesting announcement that he is now going by his birth name again, Adam Ellenbos. So if, if you're a little confused about that, he is now Adam Ellenbos once again, but regardless, he's an amazing person, whatever you want to call him, and he was a great guest. So please check out that new moon in Libra One as well from Nightlight Astrology. Really, really great teacher, and I owe him a lot as far as my astrology knowledge and, and just a good person in general. So uh, check those things out. If you're feeling challenged in this period of time, I am a practicing uh, consulting astrologer as well, and I love doing readings for all of you. So reach out for a reading if you want to see what the transits have in store with you or if you want your natal chart examined. Okay, so I think that's the business stuff. Uh, the last little business thing is if you want to support the work I'm doing here today, there's a little dollar sign in the chat. It's called a super chat or a super sticker and that contributes to keeping the lights on, put, purchasing new books, uh, keeping me afloat with snacks and, and whatnot. I've got a nice shake today <laughs> to keep my blood sugar up. And I really appreciate that. And if you're listening to this after the fact, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com. All right, friends. So those are kind of the, the professional things that we've got to get out of the way here. And uh, so let's get back into the astrology here. So big picture thoughts. Four, four lunations that are important. I, I like to look at the quarter moons and the new and the full moons. Um, there are other, you know, parts of the moon that might resonate with you. But to me, those are the kind of the signposts. Those are the the... the markers that are directing us in a certain way. So we've got a first quarter moon at nine degrees of Capricorn on the 2nd of October, a full moon on October the 9th at 16 degrees 
of Aries, uh, which is in opposition. So the, the first quarter are the squares. Uh, at the 17th of October, we have the last quarter moon at 24 degrees of Cancer. So we have the, an interesting interaction with the moon being in its own domicile and the sun being in its fall. So we'll talk about that. And then on the 25th of October, we have a pretty big um, illumination with the new moon solar eclipse at two degrees of Scorpio. That's going to be conjoining Venus and the south node. So Venus is going to be newly ingressed into Scorpio in its exile. So there's going to be some, some funky things potentially with that eclipse. Mars will be stationing retrograde shortly after that as well. So we will try to break it down as, as well as we can. Um, ingresses. Ingresses is a fancy word for a planet moving into a new sign, but it really is important to track those because it really shifts the focus of what topics are going to be on your mind, um, what type of energy uh, a planet is going to be utilizing both as a sculptor in the sign itself and as clay providing for other signs or other planets and other signs. So we have Mercury moving out of their exaltation and domicile in Virgo and into Libra again on the 10th of October. Venus will move out of her domicile and into her exile on the 23rd of October. The 23rd is kind of a big day. It's like pre-eclipse, but we have a lot of different ingresses. Uh, we've got a direct station of Saturn on the 23rd as well. So we've got Venus moving into Scorpio that day. The sun moving into Scorpio as well, moving out of its fall, so gaining a little bit of dignity. Uh, and then we have Jupiter retrograding back into Pisces on the 28th of this month. And then at the last few days of the month on the 29th, Mercury will be moving out of Libra and into Scorpio. Those are our ingresses. Solar phases. These are, these are important. These are when planets make a, a, an important relationship to the sun. So when they're either going into the heart of the sun, under the beams of the sun, coming out of the beams of the sun, this is all about visibility, right? When a planet is visible, sometimes we can see its significations playing out in our life rather than those things being behind the scenes. Um, and then we have like the, the directional shifts, stationing retrograde or stationing direct. So these are what I call solar phases or what astrologers call solar phases. On the second, we have Mercury stationing direct at 24 degrees of Virgo and also making its heliacal morning rise, which means it becomes visible as a morning star again. So those things usually happen fairly uh, in conjunction with one another. On the 8th of October, uh, Pluto will be stationing direct at 26 degrees of Capricorn. Um, so we'll, you know, that those outer planet direct stations and retrogrades, that happens once a year, and we may be able to feel that on some macro level, but it's a, I think we feel it slightly less personally than if, than if it was an inner planet like Mercury or Venus or whatnot. Um, the 16th of October, Mercury is going to move under the sun's beams again at 8 degrees of Libra, which is called its morning set. So it's going to be moving a lot faster when it goes under the beams this time, and it's going under the beams at 8 degrees of Libra, which is conjoined a fixed star called Diadem. And we've talked a lot about Diadem on this show, where Diadem was a fixed star that had to do with a queen that had to cut off her hair and sacrifice her hair for uh, to Aphrodite for the safe return of her husband from war. So making a sacrifice for the family or sacrifice for her community, um, humbling ourselves in some way. So there may be something related to that 
around that period of time. On the 22nd of October, Venus makes its Kazemi in the final degrees of Libra, 29 degrees of Libra, which means it conjoins with the sun and becomes renewed in the heart of the sun. That should be really interesting, a really powerful degree for Venus. So um, really trying to maintain our balance and equilibrium around that period of time. And then the 23rd, uh, Saturn stations direct at 18 degrees of Aquarius. I'm actually looking forward to this quite a bit. Um, I, Saturn's my time lord. <laughs> so I, hopefully the the feelings of um, responsibility and you know being able to move forward with creating positive structures in our life will start to to unravel. And then the really the biggest news of the month is is Mars is stationing retrograde at 25 degrees of Gemini on the 30th, like um, on kind of um, Halloween Eve there, right? All Hallows Eve. Uh, and it's going to be retrograde for quite some time. Um, and it's going to be in Gemini for a number of months. So we'll, when we get to the end of the month, we'll break that down in depth. But I think that's one of the things to really be on your radar this month. Um, out of bounds planets, the, this, the moon is going to be out of bounds from the 1st to the 4th, the 13th to the 18th. Mars is going to be out of bounds from the 23rd to May 5th, 2023. <laughs> so <laughs> this, is, this craziness. Um, I'm a little nervous about that. 100% honesty. I'm a little nervous about Mars being out of bounds. And we'll try to break that down and see if we can find the silver linings within it potentially. And then the moon again will be out of bounds from the 27th of October till the, November the 1st. Now, the VOC that I was talking about, the Hellenistic Void, of course, uh, which I will, I will break down in depth in a second, is from October the 5th to October the 7th. And that's a really unique uh, condition of the moon where it's not making any aspects for 30 degrees, and, it, and that counts across sign boundaries according to the Hellenistic doctrine. There's different doctrines that say it's, it's 30 degrees until it changes signs. It's some, that is more of a medieval way of looking at it. There's a modern version of this. Um, the modern version makes the moon VOC like every few days. And it's, I haven't necessarily found that to be the case, but I definitely feel these Hellenistic VOCs. I went back and looked at my journals and what was going on these days. The last one I remember, um, I tried to record something and everything on my computer just like said, nope, <laughs> nothing's going to come of this. It just completely fried out my whole computer, like overheated and I lost everything and I had to completely redo it when the void of course was over. Um, we had a void of course, like a year or two ago when Chadwick Boseman passed away. And I, I just remember uh, the feelings that were going around, around that event. Um, it was very emotional. I think there was a lot of sadness going around and it was hard um, to get some things done because he was such a ins inspirational figure for a lot of folks. So just keep that on your radar. Um, doesn't mean that you can't do anything. It just, you know, it might be a time to relax. I know I'm taking next week off. Might, might do some traveling, might not. We'll see. <laughs> see what happens. Okay, so that's kind of the overview for the month as far as the, the, the details. And, and we will go even further in depth as we look at the chart. I'm going to take a look at the chat because you all are blowing the chat up, which I love. This is awesome. So many wonderful comments. Raven says, yes, happy Venus Day. Just picked up a beautiful autumn bouquet on my morning hike. Feeling the domicile of Venus today. Awesome. Yeah, I've been seeing some really nice pictures of some autumn 
flowers and leaves. I believe Susanna has been making these really beautiful uh, mandalas that, that like these flower patterns on her Instagram that I've been appreciating. Um, yes, Ali says, Ali Cat says, hopefully Mia's joining the party helps for you. Yes, it, I hope it helps for me too. <laughs> I think it will. I think it, it's, uh, it'll help my moon, I think, I hope, uh, which is in Taurus. Raven is saying, yes, Taurus rising, loving this, this Venus, I'm sure. Um, yes, Tarya says, my chart ruler is never retrograde. No, that's true. So that's good, right, I guess, but um, it has its own challenges, I will, I will say. I'm very uh, seasonal. Libra season isn't always my favorite season, mostly because of the condition of the sun. And there's always something challenging that happens around this time period where I'm having to adjust to others' energy. And as a Leo rising and a Taurus moon, I kind of like to do my own thing most of the time. And when you have to make adjustments and compromise, it's not always my super favorite thing in the world. So, but there's learning things from it, right? It's just it's just part of the season, isn't it? Um, do 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 do. As Jeweler says, 100% recommend booking a reading with Spencer. Yay! I thank you, Azure. Those, um, yeah, we had a really nice reading, you and I, and um, always love working with with all of you out there. And I trust me, I prepare for those readings as much as I prepare for these these uh, live streams. I have five pages of notes today. Always want to be more prepared than less. Uh, Susanna also is recommending getting a reading. Thank you, Susanna. I appreciate you, friends. Uh, Katie is here from Portland uh, at work, so can't interact with the chat, but I'll be listening. That's okay, Katie. I'm, I'm glad you're here with us and giving you a shout out. Um, yes, get more. Thank you for the nice comments, everyone, on the readings that you've gotten. I know there's a lot of people in the chat who have gotten readings in the past, and it's really nice getting to know all of you on that level as well. Uh, Stephen, the Jupiterian, is here. Hello, my expansive friend. Uh, hopefully, you'll be bringing us peace and order from San Francisco, California. Um, DMV says, I'd love to support you, Spencer. Over here, things have changed dramatically thanks to Putin. Energy bill tripling starting next month. Inflation, 17%. So buy purchasing power. I'm sorry, Dimphi. I know that we are definitely going through a challenging time globally right now uh, with inflation, with the threat of war or actual war with the specter <clears throat> of nuclear threats that's i i hate to you know acknowledge the elephant in the room but it's a really interesting challenging time and i hope that we can find peace uh within it uh because it is it, it is it's tough and I, I i my heart goes out to you dimphi being much closer over there although if things escalate over there it's going to affect everyone and it is affecting everyone so um, I do think it is worth paying attention to and praying for peace and praying for cooler heads to prevail and putting our energy towards unity, harmony, and peace. I, I, I do think it matters. I do think that not falling complete victim to our fears and our um, despair is really important during this time. We do have to be realistic and we have to be prepared, and I think that's really important. It's important to be sober in these periods of time, but I, I do think that I believe in the power of prayer, and I believe in the power of positive intent. Um, I think it can really, inner peace can bring a lot of outer peace on some level, and we'll talk about that as we get further into the Libra story here. Uh, Spirit, throw me a bone live is here. That's a great name. Hello from Northern Virginia. Um, 
Okay, good comments, everyone. All right, I'm just looking through the chat, seeing if there's any questions here. When does the void, of course, start? Yeah, we will. It starts at, at 6.45 p.m. Eastern Time on the 5th of October and goes through 10.40 p.m. Eastern on the 7th of October. Um, and I'll talk about that in depth when we go into the, the little details here. Uh, Cookerzilla is here. Yay. Thank you for being here, friend. Um, Remco is joining me in the Saturn Time Lord <laughs> train, right? Uh, it should be interesting. Um, Cookerzilla says, I'm wondering how you think Mars, Saturn, and Neptune is going to help us make it through October. Well, I don't know if they're going to help us make it through anything. I think they're going to require us to uh, rely on our characters and our ability to make adjustments to get through the, the challenges that they present us. Um, I do think that it's interesting, just talking on a more macrocosm level, that once Saturn turns direct, Mars turns retrograde, it's kind of like a handing over of um, you know, our will over to our mature boundary setting, um, I don't know, learning to live within our limitations. And I think that we're going to see more limitations come with Saturn turning direct. I'm, I'm just, you just have to respect Saturn for what it actually is. And really what Saturn is, is it's showing us the, the physical and intellectual limits and boundaries of this earthly experience. And if we come to terms with that and we accept that, we can work with Saturn's energy much more positively. I think that Saturn can give us a long-term and long-range view. I think it can help us to hover above our lives objectively and see how our actions affect our entire community rather than just our personal wants and desires. And I think when it stations direct, we're going to, especially in Aquarius, it's its preferred home. It is all of those those issues all of those communal altruistic responsibility type of challenges are going to become that much more important so whatever mars retrograde is bringing us whatever you know power outage on some level and maybe a literal power outage but uh willpower outage whatever um i don't know uh i guess the, the word I, I get with mars retrograde is it becomes a little bit more unpredictable, our martial energy, especially when it goes out of bounds. Um, so whatever challenges that brings us, we're going to have to just be sober. We're going to have to be tap into our higher, most mature, um, you know, grandfatherly, grandmotherly selves and um, endure. I think there's an endurance quality that we're going to have to to come to terms with. So if I think that's the main thing. Um, and that Mars retrograde is going to be squaring Neptune. So if you're asking me about the relationship of Mars and Neptune, I think that our actions could be a little confusing. It could be, we, we might not know what to do right away. I think there's going to be circumstances that come up as we get closer to election season in the United States, as we stare down the brink of war in Europe and, and energy crisis and climate change. We may be a little bit confused about what, what the right thing to do is. And I think we may have to live into the answers a little bit. So I think slowing down and kind of going with the flow and letting life um, speak to you rather than uh, dictating your own terms to life 
is probably the the best way to utilize um, those three planets and what they're going to bring us. I hope that was helpful. Uh, Steven says, Saturn needs to get out of my third house, just doing what I can until Saturn moves into Pisces. Pluto moving into my third will be interesting. Yeah, that, that's the thing. Like, I mean, I've been kind of like, yeah, I can't wait for Saturn to get out of my seventh house, you know. Um, but then Pluto just goes right into it. So there's always there's always trade trade-offs, and it's a different type of energy. There's always some some kind of give and take with the sky, and that's okay. Really, it's just a shift of focus. It, I, I think there's always going to be some challenging things, and there's always going to be some wonderful things to be grateful for, and. those things might change which areas of our life become more pleasant and which ones become more difficult. And we, we appreciate and lean into the pleasant ones and we find uh, strength and endurance and patience with the more difficult ones. And it's just change. I think that's the thing to to keep in mind with all this. Uh, Dimphi says, thanks to this community and the study of astrology, doing yoga and still enjoying nature and life. Excellent. So good, good self-care things. Jenny Kane is here. All right. Thanks for being here, Jenny. Glad you're able to join us at work today. Uh, Lynn says, I'd really like Pluto to get out of Capricorn. I think a lot of people are excited for that. I mean, Pluto has been grinding across my Mercury lately and my opposing my Mercury, imposing my sun over the past few years. It's not a super fun experience. You, you, sometimes you lose things. Um, in my case, I lost lost my mom. Sometimes you gain things. You bought a house. Um, just your whole identity changes. I think as Pluto has gone through Capricorn, I've really shifted from one career to another, a way of viewing myself to a completely different one. Um, and this is something that uh, Adam talked about on his show with Pluto opposing his son recently is is just um, it's a transformational energy, especially when it comes to how we see ourselves and how we identify. So that's something to keep in mind with Pluto and how it might be affecting you moving forward. Uh, Sheila is here. Hello, Sheila. Good to see you on a plane to see the Cardinals play the Panthers. All right, <laughs> go football. Uh, good luck to Green Bay. Need to sign off now. Well, thank you, Sheila, and good luck to um, the Cardinals. Is that who you're rooting for? That this might be interesting. <laughs> uh, if so, I hope Kyler Murray performs well. I don't have any fantasy players in that game, so, <laughs> so I, I don't have any skin in the game, so I'm completely neutral on that one. But, um, yeah, we had a really interesting game last night with Cincinnati and Miami, a really difficult one to, to watch because one of the quarterbacks, uh, Tua, I, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name, uh, went down with a really nasty concussion and it was a really difficult scene. Um, he had had a, a probably what was a head injury um, a few days prior, but somehow got cleared, cleared to play again and then hit his head again and, and was having a really difficult, really difficult time and had to be wheeled to the hospital. And uh, he, he was having some, some interesting uh, challenging aspects in his chart too. The main one was a Mercury uh, Mars square. In his chart, he has a, a fallen Mercury, and Mars was scoring it exactly, um, which I think um, speaks to his experience. Uh, he he did have uh, use of his extremities and was conscious and everything at the hospital. So, just sending uh, love and light to him, and I hope that he's okay. And um, 
it's a it's a challenging game. Sometimes we have fun, and sometimes it's it's difficult. And um, there's uh, drawbacks and positives to all of it, isn't there? Okay, let me see. Um, I love all these questions. Yeah, Lynn is saying it was scary to see too. I can't believe he was let back into the last game. I agree, Lynn. If you if you are any type of football fan, sorry to belabor the point here, but Tua had a took a nasty hit where he hit the back of his head on the on the turf last week Sunday, like five days ago. It was a short week for them because they played Thursday night, and he got up and he stumbled around and fell down and somehow was let back into the game. And there's all sorts of um, there's lawsuits being made by the NFL uh, Players Association, um, you know, about maybe the Dolphins not doing their due diligence and 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 really not shouldn't have let him back on the field for that game in particular and probably should not have cleared him to play on Thursday. So I I think that that's actually a really big deal for the NFL and I think that they've been really making a focus on head injuries and trying to prevent them and I do think that this experience with Tua is probably going to lead to some really um really uh, intense changes in the way that they do things because it was not a good look for them on national TV and uh, hopefully the silver lining is that the this will lead to some rule changes that will hopefully protect players safety because it really is it is it can be a very beautiful game it can be a very violent game um but i think that they're they're at least making an attempt i hope to protect these these players so that they can do what they love for a living and that we can enjoy it on sundays without you know feeling guilty <laughs> that these guys are putting their lives on the line for i mean they're making millions of dollars but you know it's yeah, it's it's tough to watch. There was definitely a tarnish on that for sure last night. Um, okay, great comments. Let's dive into it, friends. I'm really appreciating all the comments and kind of chatting with all of you. I love these chats. I love the informalness of it. But let's kind of dive into some astrology here. What do you say? I gave you the overview. Let's start looking at the nitty nitty gritty. Um. The first thing I wanted to do, I, what I like to do actually in these these monthlies, is just kind of break down the the decans and th that the sun is moving through to give us a kind of a canvas that we're going to be painting all these energies on. The first two to three days of the month, the sun is still going to be in the first decan of Libra, the Two of Swords card energy, um, and that one is that 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 decan that energy is a little bit about. I would say that my main theme with it is an awareness, which is related to the Sephira Chokmah, like a flash of insight in the Kabbalistic tree of life, an awareness of the other, an awareness of another's perspective, an awareness of an injustice potentially that, that could potentially make us feel out of balance, could make us feel angry at first. A lot of the times people think of Libra as this peaceful sign, and it is. But there's righteous indignation that comes in the beginning of a Libra's uh, attempts to restore peace. So I think that the beginning of the month and the end of September that we're going through here, we, we are aware of a situation that is out of whack, that is out of balance, something that doesn't feel really fair. Um, I'll just give you a little example of this. My righteous indignation got ignited yesterday. Um, there is a... Uh, there is a program that has been proposed 
by the United States government for student loan forgiveness. And they're, they are talking about forgiving up to ten to $20,000 of student loan debt. And um, there's all these specific requirements for it. And yesterday it came out that they're going to make the requirements even more difficult. And it would disqualify my particular loans that are privately held because I consolidated them when I was 20 years old into a private company and they basically bought my debt from the federal government. Now, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. They just told me you could get a really low interest rate for whatever. And now I'm learning that that privately held loan might not be eligible for forgiveness as of the 29th of September. <laughs> so you can imagine my, my, my quote unquote righteous indignation be like, that's not fair. <laughs> like, why, do, why do I have to be punished for for being young and stupid um, while, while everyone else is getting their loans forgiven. Um, now, I don't think it's the end of the story, to be honest with you. I think there's going to be other people that are going to be like, well, come on now. That's a technicality. Um, these, these companies are predatory. Uh, we should try to do something about this. Um, but again, that's one example of how an event that doesn't feel fair at first may ignite the daimon, the uranies, the, the uh, deities that people prayed to, to um, for retribution, for a, a crime that went unpunished. So I think that there's something to, to think about, that this is only the beginning of the Libra story. That's why when I thought about it, I was like, this isn't the end of this. There's, there's going to be something that is going to rebalance this. And I just need to live into the answer. I, I almost like, made an action that might have put me in an even worse position yesterday. And I said, I got to slow down. I need to get all the facts first and then figure out how to move forward. And I think that's a really good way to deal with the first second energy of Libra. Get all the facts first. Try to see the other perspective. Look at it from multiple angles and then make a decision as you move forward. So I hope that makes sense as far as what kind of energy we might be experiencing at the beginning of the month. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Kate says, it sounds like being young and responsible being held against you. <laughs> like, yeah. And, or irresponsible maybe. Right. Um, yeah, I, 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 that's something I've often felt some challenges around. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of choices that we made that I think that for my, my personal opinion on this, this is just me and my stupid soapbox for a little bit, is that some some of our late stage capitalism really, it, it isn't out to like have your best interests in mind. It's out for profit. And when you're young and inexperienced, you're, you're vulnerable. And I, I really get frustrated when um, people prey on people who are young and vulnerable in the name of profit. And that's, that's really frustrating to me. So that, that's igniting my experience of the uranies and maybe I just need to have compassion for my my young self or something on, on some level but we'll see uh, and Kate's asking how the study group's going it's going really well I'm, I'm really enjoying the conversations we're having in our discord group and the questions that people are asking and we had a really nice meetup uh, on Monday and just lovely perspectives a lot of really great people and I'm really excited about this book I think part of the reason I do I'm doing this is to force myself to give myself an excuse 
to really dive into a book. Oftentimes when we're doing our job, which astrology is my job now, we have a few different sources that we pull upon regularly, and it can get a little bit rote. And I have really great sources. I have like five to 10 books that I use every single week when I'm doing readings and, and forecasts. But I'm really excited to give myself the accountability to, to re- or allow myself to dive into Demetra's work the same way I did before I had a lot of responsibilities with the live stream and with a lot of clients. And in turn, uh, what I love is when I get really excited about something, I want to teach it. I want to share it. And, and it's my enthusiasm, I hope, is contagious. Like I was already, I already had a really great question from Lynn, um, who was in the chat, I think, today that we were we were looking at the first few chapters and she brought up a really great question about um, planets that are aspecting um, an angle or a planet in an angle from a cadent house and we had a really nice breakdown with that on how a planet in a cadent house um, you know house 12 9 6 or 3 could be stimulating a planet in the angle uh, even though it is quote-unquote weaker in the cadent house it may be causing the planet or angle to take action i thought that was really fascinating we had some really great examples of it um how it would play out practically and that was all just from the discord so uh, it's playing out um better than i could hope for right now and i'll just keep my fingers crossed that once mars goes retrograde we'll all continue to to treat each other with kindness and grace and and fairness so uh you know i'm excited about it though so thank you for asking, Kate. And I'm hoping to keep continue doing this and, and to do one in the in the winter. So if you missed out this time around, it's okay. I will have another one that's coming around in January. And we're going to we'll go through probably the last, the last third of Demetra's book during that and maybe uh, another text as well. So keep your eyes peeled for it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And Lynn is talking about another awareness of an injustice, discovering that Virginia, Vermont still has an article in its constitution that allows slavery and indentured servitude for debt. We'll be voting to change it. Yeah, (laughs) it's crazy this. So that's a great example, uh, Lynn, really great example. Um, Yeah, so we've got people talking about the the shifts um, from being a classroom teacher to a substitute teacher to full-time astrologer. Yes, Stephen, that's, um, it is, there's a lot of, uh, I guess you could call it your astrological coming out on some level, and, and a lot of us go through it. And we're doing this kind of work that is, it's a little bit out of the ordinary, and some a lot of our friends and family don't understand it. But finding the community like we have here today is really important so that we can feel validated. There's really a, a, a good um, validation energy that happens when you find people that will support you. And I hope that we're providing that here and in the study group as well. Okay, so let me see. I lost the chat. Where'd the chat go? There it is. It's hiding. I've got like a million, <laughs> a million little windows open. I got to find all of them. Okay, friends. So let's talk about this this astrology for, for the sun in Libra 1. So this is October 1st through the 3rd. Just one thing to point out about the astrology of the first few days is that the moon is going to start off out of bounds. We've we've always been kind of focusing on this a little bit. And remember, out of bounds planets are 
outside of the normal path or declination of the sun uh, across the sky. So we have this uh, energy where the sun is, is rising higher or lower in relation to the ecliptic based on what time of year it is. And the, the planets generally follow within a similar range of, of degrees of declination. And when a planet moves outside of that range, it is said to be out of bounds or kind of going rogue. It's not following the normal rules. Um, so it's very interesting. I, I, I've been paying attention to the out of bounds moons because our emotions, our bodies may not be following the, the normal pathways. We, we need to give ourselves more grace around that period of time to feel our feelings. We might want to stay home a little bit more. We may uh, feel a little bit more tired or we may go to extremes with our bodies. We may work out like a weekend warrior a little too hard. So it's good to kind of pay attention to these a little bit. And thank you, Fion, for the super, super sticker. Uh, I really appreciate that. Um, it's It really fills my heart up with all the wonderful donations that we get here. Um, so pay attention to that. That's going to be happening from the 1st through the 4th. Uh, the other thing that's happening on the 1st is that we have Venus making an opposition to Jupiter. So we've had a couple other planets that have gone through this opposition, including Mercury and the Sun recently. And um, now Venus takes its turn. And again, this axis is really about uh, you know, compromise versus individual action or individual will or, or individually inspired action. And Jupiter right now is asking us to review how we assert our independence. Uh, while Venus, newly ingressed into Libra, is really trying to bring balance, harmony, equilibrium. It's trying to say, how can you take the other person's perspective into, into account while also um, taking your own needs into account? So when you balance the two of those out, you find the Libran equilibrium, right? So that's something to consider with this opposition. Um, now, they're both benefics. So Venus being a planet that's related to the lunar sect, Venus, I, I often think of Venus as good fortune that comes to us more randomly. It is, is of the nature of 2K, the random distribution of fate. And remember that word, because we'll talk about it when we talk about the third decan of Libra and its daimon, Nemesis, who was restoring right proportion and trying to rebalance the randomness of, of 2K, or AKA fortune. So a lot of times Venus asks us to accept things and open up to things, whereas Jupiter is of the solar sect, and it is saying, you have an awareness of what is right, of what is wrong, and here, you take action based on that to bring order and peace and teaching and expansion and all of those natures. So it, it's more about conscious action. So we may be rethinking how we take action in the world, and we're having to take into account uh, how to harmonize our personal growth um, with the other, whatever that other is. Sometimes the other is a, a mate. Sometimes the other is a child. Sometimes the other is society. Sometimes the other is the law. So, so there's all sorts of things that could be coming up regarding that. Okay. Uh, Steven says, I found you through Adam Ellenbos, aka Chuta. Yes, yes. Uh, much of my audience has come through Nightlight Astrology, which is such a blessing. I think uh, I, I was a huge super fan of Nightlight and took 
pretty much every class that was offered for, for the last two to three years. And I was very vocal <laughs> in class. And um, I, I, uh, I, I met a lot of really nice people. And I think that, you know, Adam and I are, are good friends and we have uh, quite a bit in common, I think, temperamentally. We have fundamental differences as well um, that I think that are, you know, he's a Taurus rising, I'm a Leo rising. Just, just think of the differences between those and you can kind of start to understand. Um, but we're both Cancer Suns. Uh, we, you know, we're both roughly born around the same, you know, few year, few year uh, range in the Midwest. Um, so there's definitely, we both like football, although he's a Vikings fan, but I'll forgive him for that. But anyway, it's it's all in good fun. Okay. Uh, Kate says, uh, y'all are my community, have meant the world to me. Thank you and all of you for being here and being you. Well, thank you, Kate. We're, we're so happy that you're here with us and that you're being a part of it. That's one of the reasons I continue to do this. I, I used to do videos that were more standalone, shorter videos, and I just really like interacting with an audience. It, it, it reminds me of being a performer, being a musician. And honestly, I would talk to the audience sometimes more than I would play music, <laughs> you know, just interacting. I just like that. And I, I love that as a teacher, as a, as a teacher in the, in a, at a community college. And, and in, I used to teach adult recognized classes. I just love that interaction with the group. Um, Alley Cat says, I don't know why, but whenever the moon is right on top of a fixed star that is off the ecliptic, out of bounds, it always seems to draw my attention. Not sure if this is so close that it is an occultation. Yeah, it is interesting. They're, fixed stars, um, I think that they can be more powerful if they're closer to the ecliptic. Um, I think that there's, it, it, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. Um, Bernadette Brady does some things with something called parans, which is a different method about when a planet and a fixed star are on an angle, either simultaneously or on different angles. There's a lot of different ways to interpret the sky and lenses to look through, and I'm, I'm constantly fascinated by learning new methods. Um, Susanna says, out of bounds moon only appears in certain signs, Cancer, Gemini, Sagittarius, and Capricorn, and sometimes um, Scorpio and Taurus. Am I wrong? I know I have out of bounds moon in my natal chart. That's a good question, Susanna, and that is not something I, I know the answer to. Um, I wasn't aware that it only goes out of bounds in certain signs. So if someone has more information on that, I'd be I'd be happy to to learn more. Um, there's always, again, there's always something I, I'm learning as we go. Okay. Uh, Spirit Throw Me a Bone says, yes, you were vocal in class. <laughs> I was impressed by your contributions during the nightlight course. That's why I booked a reading with you and it was not a disappointment. You rock, Spencer. Thank you. Spirit, tell me your name again. Sometimes I don't remember who is who. <laughs> who are we talking to again here? Like, I'm sorry if I can't remember everyone's avatar. <laughs> like, but I'm sure I'll remember once you tell me. Um, yeah, just throw that in the chat. Uh, Azure says, I also use Paran's really interesting approach. Yeah, it is. And there's, there's a lot of astrologers doing good work with that. Um, 
I use, I, I, I'm fascinated with, I've used both. I use the Heliacal Risings or the Heliacal, yeah, the Heliacal Rising Star that Brady uses. Um, but, you know, like I said, many different lenses. Uh, okay, let's keep going. These are great, great questions, great comments. And let me, uh, we're, we've gotten through one day. <laughs> oh, Brenda. Brenda, Brenda Rode, Rody, is that who I'm talking to? <laughs> okay, sorry, Brenda. Yeah, I know you. <laughs> like, I, I think that's who I'm talking to. Um, yeah, Brenda's great, and you're, you're, uh, uh, you have a great mind for astrology as well. And I'm, I'm glad that you're, glad that you're here. I was wondering where you were at. Maybe that you've been here the whole time, and I just didn't recognize your name. <laughs> like, okay, so friends, let's keep rolling. Uh, so that's the first, the opposition with, with Venus and Jupiter. One thing I wanted to point out is that this is something I was actually listening to Adam talk about uh, astrology the other day. I was watching his explanation for his, his name change back to his birth name. And um, he was talking a lot about um, applying and, and separations. And I think that's one thing I maybe I don't focus on enough in my talks here. Oh, Brenda P., different Brenda. Oh man, two Brendas. <laughs> Sorry, Brenda. <laughs> oh, oh, Brenda. Brenda, who has the? Jeez. Oh, Sorry. Sorry for being the the, <laughs> the old man on the show. We had the talk where you have the the show where you have your own like kind of spirit um, talk show, right? And you had all the fancy cameras and everything. Is this? Am I remembering this correct now? We haven't talked in a while, <laughs> other Brenda. <laughs> like, okay, but yes. Now I'm now it's ringing a bell. I think that that's, I think I'm getting it again. So sorry, I'm so sorry that I'm not misidentifying some of you. But anyway, I was talking about, uh, you know, applications. So, so when I talk about these aspects perfecting, we're going to actually feel that a couple days beforehand, depending on how fast the planet is going. So we're going to feel those themes of, Merc of, of Venus and Jupiter um, coming together the, the first few days of the month and, and the last days of September. And then we're going to feel the energy waning uh, a few days after. So just consider, consider that also, that that will be something you're, you were experiencing. So if you're trying to time things, the actual event might happen before the perfection on some level, and you may, you know, be able to deal with it in the days after as well. Okay, so let's look at the second. Because on the second, you're going to see Mercury is going to station direct. Okay, so Mercury stationing direct at 24 degrees of Virgo, um, simultaneously making its heliacal morning rise. Now, what does that mean? Okay, that means that Mercury is going to be uh, outside of the 15 degree standardized um, degree distance of the beams of the sun. And this is, I'm using Demetra George's standardization. Some Hellenistic astrologers use 15 degrees and standardize it. Other astrologers throughout history have used different degree orbs. But I like this standardization. Often I think of the chart as an oracle. And if we often like how we prime the pump of uh, tarot and we say, if we get this card, it will mean this. 
I think we can do a little bit of the same for the chart. Some people will disagree with me, but I, I think that if we set expectations, the chart will speak. So, yes. All right, Brenda. <laughs> I, got, right? I remember I got a 20-second delay here, but yes, now I remember. I remember. Yeah, the, the, the short, little sassy haircut. <laughs> I, I know you know. Okay, sorry. <laughs> sorry, friends. Um, okay, so let's talk about Mercury stationing direct while simultaneously making an appearance. This is called a moment of phosis. So this is a this is a moment that is speaking louder than some of the other moments. And you can see that this is happening, right, with an opposition to Neptune. So we're going to have something coming to light that may be a little bit confusing at first, okay? Because I, I really do think that Neptune, uh, it, it clouds things. It, 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 it gives us a, a lens that isn't necessarily reality. Um, it is more so less about the physical reality, maybe more about a spiritual consciousness, I don't know. But Mercury in the third decade of Virgo is like the most physically uh, committed Mercury placement in probably the entire zodiac. It's the one that says, what is real? You know, what is what is the reality of this? What stays and what goes? Whereas Neptune is trying to, to cloud that picture a little bit. So I, I would say that you're going to want to really clarify your communications and your details so that you can move forward with whatever practical, physical project that you've been reviewing over the last few weeks with Mercury stationing retrograde. Um, pay attention to messages you get, but again, ask for clarification because it's, it's, it might not be, you might not understand it correctly the first time you hear about it. The other, the other thing is, is you know, Mercury is still squaring Mars in this case too. So make sure that your communications are kind. Um, this Mercury is one that is, I think, committed to efficiency. I've been wearing some magically elected oil with this Deccan, uh, with Mercury in this Deccan. I love it. It's great. It's great for getting stuff done. It's not as good for like, mm, I don't know, making peace and harmony with people. I think it's more like, don't bother me. I've got stuff to do. <laughs> like so, so there might be a little bit of energy around that where you're just like, I don't have time. I, I'm just anxious. Uh, it, it's it's not good for relaxing. It's good for like, I've got this project. I need to get it done as quickly and as efficiently as possible. So that is probably what we're going to be feeling on the 2nd of October. The other thing that's happening on the 2nd of October is we have a square between the sun and the moon. So this is our first quarter. If we look at this in, in, uh, in totality, okay, we've got Mercury stationing direct, making its heliacal uh, morning rise, becoming a morning star, um, we have the sun in its fall and the moon in its exile squaring one another. So it's not a fun time for the luminaries. It's difficult for us to assert our individual agenda or our identity with the sun in Libra we, because Libra is requiring us to take other people's perspective and find balance. Uh, into account. 
Uh, the moon in Capricorn is not super happy in Saturn sign because the moon is wanting growth. It wants nurturing. It wants unconditional love and acceptance. And when it moves through Capricorn, there's sometimes there are conditions. The, the territory is, is cold and harsh and rocky. And we may feel, uh, we may not feel as secure or as, um, well, I don't know, welcomed. And, and I guess the other, Saturn casts things into exile and the moon wants to belong to something, right? It was also considered a planet of the masses. So we may feel like we're not belonging and maybe due to a real challenge with a, a relationship compromise. Now the moon in the first decade of, of Capricorn may be asking us to consider the advantages and disadvantages of a physical place. Yeah, Kate says Capricorn can be pragmatic, right? So we, we may be thinking, well, where are we going to put down our roots? Where, where is this partnership going? Where, where do we want to live? What goal do we want to pursue? And what are, the, what are the actual tangible challenges or advantages of doing that? And that could, you know, again, with Mercury opposing Neptune, it's important to ask questions. Don't make assumptions at this beginning of this month because it can be really easy to get confused and that can lead to disagreements that could be easily avoided if you are just, um, I don't know, able to approach someone from the spirit of, with your get-along pants on, right? From the spirit of trying to find clarity. Um, because it's hard to get understanding sometimes. There's so much emotion that goes into the way that we communicate that oftentimes we don't want to rock the boat. We want to be nice. And sometimes when we're nice, uh, that can lead to misunderstandings because we make assumptions. This is the four agreements, right? Don't make assumptions. And you're just doing your best. You're not a mean person if you ask questions. Uh, you're just trying to, to create further harmony so that you know the reality of a situation. A lot of times we just want to avoid confrontations and oftentimes when we avoid a confrontation it's going to boomerang back on us with an even more difficult conversation than if we'd had the the tough one uh the tough conversation in the beginning of the process so something to think about okay so that's the sun in the first second of libra when we go, get to the third of the month we're going to see the sun move into the second decan of libra and the second decan of Libra is pretty interesting. It's uh, Austin Coppock calls it two links in a chain. T. Susan Chang has a, a name for it. I really like the ties that bind. It is a double Saturn ruled decan. It is uh, associated with the three of swords and the Rider Waite tarot. And here you can see a card that a lot of people are kind of afraid of with three swords piercing a heart and it's raining. They call it the Lord of Sorrow. Um, it is... I'm, I'm sorry to understand it a little bit better, though. I don't necessarily fear it as much as I did in the past. I think that the main theme with this decan is um, oaths and contracts, binding agreements. It is negotiating the deal on some level. It, it's it, Because of Saturn's influence, it says this is what you have to do to bring things back into harmony. So these are the vows that you have to make. It can also, when we have a difficult planet moving through this decan, we can have broken agreements. I often have clients with Mars in this decan, in the second decan of Libra that really experience betrayals. 
and broken agreements, and it's very painful for them. And they are learning how to kind of um, pick themselves back up after those challenging experiences, because remember, Mars severs and separates. It's severing agreements that we thought we could count on. So the sun will bring us an awareness of what we need to do for commitment. This decking can also be about marriage. It, it, I, I know that the, the card itself looks very mm, like difficult for relationships, but sometimes, uh, you know, a marriage can be something that uh, it's, it's not just, you know, our vision of 18th century romantic love. It, it is about doing the difficult things through, through sickness and in health, through, through good and for, for ill, right? Um, being truly committed to someone means that you're there for them uh, through the good times and the bad. And um, that's not always an easy thing to, to do. And it takes uh, a constant recommitment to a relationship. So the, the thing to understand about ancient um, society or ancient Greek society or, or another ancient society is that because most people couldn't read an, an oath or a blood oath or a spoken oath was very important. And if you broke your word, that was one of the worst things that you could do. Like if you gave your word, that was, that was something. It wasn't like you, you know, now we're like, oh, it has to be in writing. Oh, I didn't get a signed contract. And that's, it wasn't like that back then. If you broke your word, like you were, you were in trouble, um, sometimes punishable by death. So I think that it's important to honor your commitments. It's important to, to, to shine the light of awareness on the things that you are committed to during this time. You can renegotiate things. If you don't you know, think that the commitments are fair, you can you know, use that Venusian energy with Venus hanging out there to try to renegotiate a better deal potentially. Um, but I do think that Saturn um, brings uh, consequences for breaking an agreement during this period of time. So I, I do think it's very important to honor your commitments. And again, honoring your commitments isn't always fun. That's, that's what Saturn's influence is in, Saturn, in Libra. It's, it's not just beauty and flowers and, and symmetry. It's, sometimes it's hard work and making a relationship work is sometimes very hard work. And sometimes it requires us to give up something that was important to us for the sake of the relationship, for the sake of the commitment itself. And as, you know, inherently selfish human beings, that's not an easy thing to do. So good luck with that, with the, all of your relationships. Remember, commu communication is the key. Uh, if the relationship itself is more important than your ego, it should make it a lot easier to navigate. Um, some good comments here. Let's see. Do, 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 do. Oh, Urania says you need that oil. Yeah. If, if For those of you who are curious about Tanya's um, magical workings, she has a website called Third Coast Mojo. It's an Etsy right now for the most part. Um, and she has some Venus oils up right now. The Mercury series and the Jupiter series that she has aren't live, but they will be hopefully shortly. Um, I've been encouraging her to put her that out into the world a little bit more. The challenge is, is that my partner, Tanya Andrews, has a full-time job and she has a lot of responsibility running a farmer's market. And sometimes it's just when, when you have a full-time job, trying to get your side hustle going 
it can be a lot of work and it can be a lot of like, there's some, sometimes there's mental hurdles over it when you just want to relax and you, you know, but I think that she's um, getting more comfortable being more public about the work that she does. And I'm trying to help out with that because it's really good stuff. I, I've, I've been the main beneficiary of it. And I have some friends that, you know, I guess if you reach out to me, I can, I can, I can help facilitate some of these things that aren't live too. I've had, I've done that for some friends, but it is really good stuff. She, that, that Mercury and Virgo series, um, it's in its own face. It's in its exaltation uh, and domicile. She also made, she does um, some hoodoo uh, work as well. And there's a, a version of that oil called the master key, which helps you learn things quicker, which is great for this book I'm diving into with this group and a, a, wis, a wisdom of Solomon oil, which I, I also really enjoy as far as like tapping into the higher self. So some really, really cool stuff coming hopefully. And I think that, like I said, she's going to become more public with that uh, in the future. Um, do, 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 do the Mario song, right? Stefan says I can get pessimistic at times, natal Saturn and Taurus directly opposite my Jupiter and Scorpio. Yeah, I mean, Saturn, Saturn can, can dampen our enthusiasm at times. But if you lean into the Saturn energy, um, it will bring rewards over time. Um, so Susanna says, I'm pretty sure that I have it right, that the moon can be out of bounds only in Cap Sag uh gemini and cancer and maybe rarely scorpio or gemini again I, i'm i'm not so sure i i don't know you could be right you may be right i may be crazy and the moon just may be out of bounds in just those signs i don't know <laughs> but it's something for us to all explore as a group right um Raven says, I can't wait for Mercury to station direct. My laptop died. Oh, no. Lost all my files. Locked my keys in the car and got attacked by a cat. Oh, no. Poor baby. Poor kitty. Uh, poor you, actually. But I hope that you and the cat are okay. Um, yeah, this Mercury's retrograde has been funky. Uh, lots of people have been going through a lot of difficulties uh, Schedule-wise, you know, I locked myself out of my house <laughs> when the first day, like it got cold, like the first day of fall, I locked myself out of my house and had to wait for my partner to come home. And um, it was very, I was not wearing enough layers at that point either. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to maybe the, this Mercury Direct as well. Um, let's see. All sorts of good comments. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah, thank you for the encouragement for Tanya's work, everyone. I appreciate that. She's a really sweet person and um, really knowledgeable on this stuff. But sometimes it's difficult to put yourself out there. Uh, there's a lot of mm, biases around that kind of thing. And uh, I think, you know, just like we're all going through our own um, coming out as far as just being fans of astrology, there's even more stigma when it comes to astrological magic and things like that. So uh, it's it's something to 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 do baby steps with, I think, on some level. Um, would you like to write a book one day, Spencer? Yes, yes, I would. I, I, I will say, when I was 11 years old, and I don't know what was going on in my chart, I'll have to look at this up, but I told my dad, I was like, 
I'm going to write a book on philosophy someday. And he was like, what? I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to write a philosophical book. I don't, I don't know what it is, but I'm just going to write about b- what I believe in f- philosophy. And that was at when I was 11. So I, there has to be something like that in my future. Um, it took me a long time to make an album of my music. So I'm sure it will also take me, hopefully not as long. It took me a decade to, to do my music album, but um Hopefully I've learned how not to be so much of a perfectionist that I can't consolidate my thoughts into something. But yes, I would love to do that. So please, please help encourage me to continue to do that. And, and maybe um, for those of you who want to see that, um, I'm always open to ideas. I, I want it to be of service to folks. So if there's something that, if there, if there is a need that I need to fill with my research, I would love to be able to do that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> learning song too. Yeah, yeah. That was that was Billy Joel's. You may be right <laughs> for those of you trying to place it from. I think it's from Glass Houses, but I could be wrong. <laughs> I could be wrong. Uh, okay. Yes, people lock themselves out of the house. Yes, that's a that's a very that's a very Mercury retrograde type of thing. Not not being able to cross the threshold, right? <laughs> not having the key. Um. Yes, and as you are pointing out that there might be racist stigmatism around hoodoo specifically. Yes, that's a good point. Um, my partner is uh, my partner is black, and uh, she connects with the hoodoo tradition as being part of her roots. And there definitely is some racial bias and stigma against it. So I, it is something that um, she she grew up with between worlds. Uh, she's she's part black and part white. She has a white mom and a black dad, and. There was a lot of respectability politics that went into growing up like that and growing up in a, a white part of Sacramento. And I think that it, it does take time for people to become comfortable in their own skin, as we've seen with, you know, our good friend, uh, Adam Ellenboss. And sometimes it's okay to change your mind. I, l- I love that he said that. It's a, we're all exploring who, who we are and our identity and our process of individuation and becoming. And it's okay to change your mind. You may decide to go down one path and then discover that that's not the path for you and then be able to, to make a, a pivot. And it takes a lot of humility and courage to be able to do that. And I'm, I'm really happy for him that he's found the courage to, to you know, be whatever version of himself resonates with him now. And you know, I hope the same for all of you and for my partner. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it's just a, it's a, it's a growth process, right? Okay. Uh, all right. Yes, glass houses. Nandini sounds like, okay, good. I <laughs> got that right. Billy Joel, glass houses. You may be right. Uh, I love these comments. I love these comments. Uh, I volunteer to be a pre-reader, Dimphy says. Volunteered as well for Ren Butler's new book and found myself being mentioned in the acknowledgments under Becca Tarnas. Well, Dimphy, if I have a, a, a copy that I need edited, I will, I will keep you in mind and try to send that to you. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Yes, Cap Rising needs encouragement. Tanya is a Cap Rising. So, yes, check her out. Third Coast Mojo on Etsy. It's still, her website's, there's something funky with her website right now. She shifted servers and it's hard to find it in search engines. But here, for those of you, I'll just do my due diligence for all of you today. Uh, this is, I'll put it in the chat. This is me being a good partner and a good salesperson and a good support person. I hope that, uh, hope I can even find it on here. 
I bookmarked it. Um, there it is. Yeah, I can't even find it in a search engine, which is crazy. So here's the Etsy. I put it, I'm putting it in the chat for those of you who want to support her work. Like I said, she has Venus stuff up right now. But if you, if you send her a message and you really are interested in the Mercury or Jupiter and Pisces, there's also a Venus and Pisces series that isn't out yet either. But she has all of those. And if you message her, um, you know, we've got a whole week off coming up. Like she has a week off of work and I'm going to be off. So there might be an opportunity to kind of start moving forward with that. Okay. So back to the astrology. Sorry for the, 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 the uh, digressions here. I think they're good digressions though. This is, we just kind of go where we go with these chats and, and thank you for hanging around. <clears throat> okay. Let's see. October 3rd. We got <laughs> October, we're an hour and 15 minutes in. I'm, I'm at October 3rd. So I think that I've described um, the second decan of Libra, um, the oaths and binding contracts, understanding of the other and your commitments negotiations, negotiating a contract, maybe something that you, you, you come to terms with around this period of time. So let's look at, let's start off by looking at October the 5th. Now here is where we have the, the, the Hellenistic void of course, which is different than modern void of course. So what we're looking at here, this is going to be happening around 6.45 p.m. So I'm going to just show you what we're looking at and how to, to find this in a chart. So here's the moon, here is Mars, and here is the, let me see, yes. So Mars is going to be the player in this game. So what happens is the moon is making a trine to Mars and then doesn't make any other aspects for 30 degrees across sign boundaries to any other traditional planet, okay? So we're not counting Neptune here. We're not counting uh, Uranus or Pluto, okay? We're just counting the seven traditional planets. And you can see that the moon is going to eventually, the next aspect it makes is a trine to Mars two days later. So no aspects to the traditional seven planets. A, a, tr a trine to Mars that eventually becomes a square so the moon will go void at 21 degrees of, of uh, Aquarius, which is right on my descendant. So that should be fun. Um, and then it'll square um, Mars at 22 degrees of Pisces to 22 degrees of Gemini. So what, is, what does that mean? Well, ancient astrologers would, would describe it as nothing will come of the matter. Think of the, the moon uh, draws down planetary energies and distributes it to the, the physical world. So it doesn't have anything to draw upon, and it, it's just kind of wandering aimlessly. And that wasn't a good, that wasn't a good condition in, in the ancient world, to be wandering aimlessly without a sense of home or purpose. So what I would suggest with this you know, Hellenistic void, of course, release your expectations for this period of time. I wouldn't, I wouldn't schedule anything super important because it might not work out exactly the way that you want it to. I think this is a great time to relax. It's a great time to get rid of things. It's a great time to clean and declutter your home. It's a great time to just accept things as they come. All right. Don't schedule a super important meeting or something of that nature. You know, Tanya and I are 
maybe thinking of traveling around this period of time, but it's, I'm, I'm a little nervous about that. Maybe it'll be just a relaxing trip. Maybe it'll be difficult. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, but it's one of these things where I think that uh, there's probably going to be challenges to manifesting something. The moon is a manifester. So if you're trying to finish something or bring something into being, this isn't really the best time for that. If you're trying to go into your memory, imagination, if you're trying to, to release things, I think this is a good time for that. Uh, yeah, Nadini says a walkabout. Yeah, I, I, I like that. I like that. I think that this is something that I... I, I don't don't really pay attention to modern void of courses anymore. I really don't. I know a lot of people that are like, I just don't even do anything during those. And that's like every three days. It's just not realistic. But this one, I definitely feel it only happens like once a year, maybe once every two years. And I know I went specifically back in my journals and read about what happened during those periods of time. Um, I remember I also was having like a real difficulty with some business partners the last time this happened. Uh, and there was a lot of confusion. There was a lot of things that weren't clear. And when it finally escaped this position, clarity came. I, I went back and forth in my brain a lot with all this. So there may be something where you just, I say I would say be gentle with yourself. I, that's good advice for a lot of things, but especially when this moon is, Void, of course, in the, the Hellenistic definition. Okay. Tammy Dollar says, have your wife claim and add her business on Google Maps. Then she can put the business info in accurately. She can just use the city center if you don't want to use the house address. That's a great idea, Tammy. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, we, we need to get her search engine, her SEO stuff, <laughs> like really fixed. Because she's just completely invisible with all this right now, even though the stuff is just awesome. It's great stuff. I, I, wear, I wear the Mercury stuff almost every day now. She has a great Venus and Taurus oil that I've loved. It was an awesome election from a few years ago that I, we had a big supply of that has been really great. I'm wearing Venus and Libra oil today. There's a Nervine version that helps you to relax. Third, It's like a spica Venus oil. Um, I have a glamour oil on today. If you could see the glow in my skin. And I also use Sphere and Sundry stuff too. I really love them too. I, I have a Regulus oil from them that I've been wearing. Uh, I like the Deneb El Getty oil from Sphere and Sundry. And I, I gave the Fomahal oil a, a, a spin the other day. I love their fixed star stuff. So, you know, it's great to support multiple uh, creators. And um, there's so many different uh, wonderful metaphysical businesses that, that deserve your business. Okay. Let's see. So that's the void of course moon from October the 5th to October the 7th. During that period of time, there is going to be one aspect that perfects. And that is, and maybe that gives us some insight now that I think about it into what would be most effective during this period of time. And I think it's exactly what I was talking about. Clear out the clutter. So there's a trine between Mercury and Pluto. I know what I want to do during this period of time. If I'm being honest, I don't want to travel during this period of time. Um, my, my partner's dad is getting older and we need to visit him. Uh, and there's a lot of 
I don't know. There's some family pressure to do that. And I, I think it's, it is important to visit your aging parents. Um, but they're right in the line of where the hurricane is. And I'm, I'm just a little nervous about that in North Carolina. Uh, what I want to do is clean out my basement and clean out my attic and like just get rid of all the crap in my house. That's what I would love to do during this period of time. And what better aspect than Mercury trining Pluto from Virgo to Capricorn? I think this is a great time, like I said, to just go deep into your material resources and really decide what stays and what goes. You're not going to want to start anything during this time. You want to, you're going to want to eliminate things. You're going to want to like uncover any corruption in your home and just say, oh, I got to fix this. I got to get rid of this. You know, I think that's a great, a great way to uh to work with this energy with this mercury pluto trying have deep conversations with people um you know if there's something that comes up pluto and to me pluto always uncovers something that we've repressed that we've ignored that we've you know cast underground and for me i've, I've got a, i've got a mess in my basement that needs to be cleaned up i've got a mess in my attic that i've been ignoring for you know this is a three-story house with the attic included and it gets way hot up there in the summer and now it's cold enough that it's it's comfortable enough to to clean it out so again that that would be my recommendation for this period of time so that's the only aspect during the void of course moon uh let's keep rolling when we get to october the the eighth now here's here's an interesting synchronicity. Mercury is going to trine Pluto, and then immediately Pluto will station direct. So if you go and review all the corrupted systems that you have and try to use that really powerful juiced up Mercury at its like you know really close to the, its most powerful position. You might be able to like really move things forward with your sense of transformation, right? With your sense of empowerment. There's nothing that's in, in more empowering to people with Virgo placements than cleaning your house and organizing your space and your stuff. <laughs> I can speak from experience because as within, so without, as above, so below. Because really what a lot of the times what us Virgo folks are trying to do is organize our minds, organize our hearts, organize our souls and our spirits. And sometimes by just rearranging your space, that can free up chi. It can, it can improve the feng shui in your space. And that in turn can lead to better outcomes in your experience. So again, that, that, that is uh, confirmed by Pluto turning direct. Um, let me look. Thank you so much, Susanna, for the super sticker. That's awesome. Appreciate you. Oh yeah, Dimphi says, love Tanya as well on the live show. I'll have to have Tanya back on as a guest one of these days. Like I said, she's just been busy with managing a farmer's market for the first time this year. She got promoted to the farmer's market manager. So she's just had to be, she's been learning a lot of new skills, but she's a really good com uh, community servant, I think, and is doing a lot of good in that job. Uh, but I think that once she starts getting the hang of it, she'll have more time to come on and do stuff with me on the channel and do more of her own witchy business stuff. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Gail 
says, I'm actually cleaning my basement as I listen. Yay, Gail, good for you. <laughs> I'm excited for that. A long-awaited project, feeling the energy of letting go of what is no longer necessary. That's a great point, Gail, because when we let go of what isn't serving us, of what is an old, outdated form, what we're really doing is saying that we're ready to be the version of ourselves that we are now and that we accept ourselves as we are now. If we are hanging on to the past, there's, there's a level of non-acceptance that is happening because we're, we're staying attached to an old version of ourselves. This is why I just really appreciate Adam. And, you know, I appreciated his courage to, to change his name in, in his journey to Bhakti as well, because that was important to him at that time. And that's what his truth was at that time even though it was strange for probably strange for him and for some of his community. Um, and, and then the change back is like, well, that's his truth now. So, so there's always room for a new experience. And even if that new experience is reconnecting with a part of yourself that, that you may have lost or that you may have strayed away from for a period of time, it's okay. That's part of a journey of being human. So I love the fact that when we're cleaning out our spaces, we're really telling the universe, I'm, I'm ready to be who I am now. And I trust that whatever I need is going to come to me in time. That's been hard for me is, is trusting that what I need will come to me. I'm a little bit of a pack rat myself. And I, I always feel so good, though, when I get rid of the things that just aren't a reflection of who I am anymore. I'm, I'm a big fan of the Marie Kondo method, you know, although it's a little extreme, I, I did Marie, I did a condo session, I guess you would say, a few years ago, and I got rid of some stuff that I, in hindsight, I wish I hadn't. But, <laughs> but honestly, I probably don't miss it that much. I, I just, if I wasn't thinking about it, I, I wouldn't be any worse for the wear. Um, let's see, let's see. Yes, Dimphy, all sorts of good comments about about getting rid of what you don't need anymore. Pluto is on Kate's natal Mercury in the sixth, hoping to move on and forward with all its correlated duty. Well, I hope so too for you, Kate. So let's keep going, friends. So Pluto stationing direct on the eighth. You're going to feel it. Like I said, you're going to feel Pluto slowing down and changing direction probably during that entire void, of course, moon is my guess. So take a look at the Capricorn area of your chart, and it's probably going to be some changes happening. You're going to feel some shifts around that area. So that's leading us to the full moon in Aries. So here is the full moon. So again, all of these things are happening simultaneously. We're the void, of course, moon leading to a waxing full moon here. The Mercury trying a new stationing direct Pluto. And this full moon has Venus hanging out with it very closely. Uh, the moon is pretty close to Chiron if you use asteroids. I sort of do. I'm interested in it. It's not always the first thing I look at, but in this case, it, it's close enough that I think it's probably worth our attention. Uh, Jupiter is also still opposite this new moon, and um, you know that's those are the main things that I'm seeing in this particular lunation. So Venus is going to be hanging out on a fixed star called Algarab. And Algarab is one that I really love to tell the story of the crow that was tasked with uh, filling the sacred cup of Apollo. And it was 
very important that the crow fulfill this task, but he got distracted by figs. He got distracted by the earthly delights, shiny things, objects, good food, and he failed to fulfill his task. So I think it's very important that uh, it's especially important. Remember, this is the Deccan that's about oaths and contracts. So it's it's funny that Algarab is part of this story because he, he basically did not fulfill his contract and suffered the consequences. He also tried to blame Hydra, the sea serpent, um, for this failure. You can see in the sky, these stories are connected. Crater the cup, Hydra, the sea serpent, and Corvus, the crow, are all connected uh, constellationally. So they, they, there is a story that has come up with their connection. So if you have an integrity lapse during this time, and sometimes it happens, try to own it. Try to take responsibility for it. Uh, and this may not be, this may be something that it comes to light with the, the full moon. Uh, it's important not to cast aspersions onto others, not to blame others, to be honest and truthful. It'll make your life go a lot easier. One of the most challenging, energy-draining things in the world is trying to maintain a lie over time. I've done it. It's not, it's not easy. It, it's, it is, uh, there's a lot of shame around it. There's a lot of um, trying to keep your story straight. And ultimately... I've always found that it, it doesn't, doesn't add anything to my life. So, you know, having the, the, a core fundamental honesty with others and with yourself, the, the lies that are most insidious are the ones we tell ourselves. And I think that it, it, it's important that we, we own any uh, responsibilities that we have around this period of time, that we focus, we eliminate distractions. That could be another thing that that Mercury and Pluto could be doing is just getting rid of the distractions so that we have a good system for being productive in our life. And the moon hanging out with Chiron, there may be um, some trauma that we're dealing with, some wound about how we assert our independence versus how we take care of our responsibilities. Um, I think it is important to take your own needs into account when you are in partnership as well. Uh, it, there's a balance, right? You have to fulfill your obligations, but you also have to fulfill your, your obligation to yourself and being and treating yourself with respect. The, no one is um, benefited by uh, someone who completely sacrifices all of their self-interest for a partnership. Eventually what that does is it leads to resentment. Um, and resentment can be very toxic. And it's not it, it, it's, I think it's very difficult when people, myself included, have martyred, our, martyred ourselves to a cause or a partnership or to, for the, the thought of doing what, the right thing or, think, or, or doing something that would create harmony. Eventually, when we go to extremes, it leads to its opposite. This is something you learn from studying the Tao, is you see that yin-yang symbol that there's a little bit of light in the dark and there's a little bit of dark in the light and they're constantly moving within one another. And when you go to its, its extreme, it reverses course. So if you are giving up your sense of self to the extreme, it will eventually reverse and snap back on you and create the, the opposite of what you want it to create, which is disharmony, right? Same thing if you're being overly selfish. If you're, if you're not taking other people's needs into account, that will ultimately snap back on you because you will have to become aware of someone else because you will 
come into conflict with them. So instead of uh, a balanced relationship, you're in a war with them and you're engaging with them anyway. And you, I, I think it's better to engage with people from a balanced and harmonious uh, perspective. So I hope that that makes sense. And I think that that's the kind of the main deal for this, this uh, full moon. Uh, Mars is going to be hosting the moon. So there also we might want to bring that into the discussion where Mars is hanging out in the third decade of Gemini, where we, we're really trying to eliminate some options. We're trying to eliminate some distractions, eliminate uh, pathways that we imagine might be more beneficial than the one that we're already on. Um, this is a Mars and Gemini type of thing. It says, hey, uh, you're going to create conflict if you try to pursue every single um, dream. And it's okay to get rid of a few of the imagined pathways and breathe life into that which you, which is most important to you. Now remember, Mars is going to be starting to slow down towards the end of the month. So we may have to review the choices that we've made and say, well, we don't want to paint things in, in black and white. We don't want to paint things in, in high contrast extremes. That's the challenge of Mars and Gemini. I think that's the challenge of this full moon. Is we, it, Mars and Gemini 3 wants to make an ultimatum. It says, you do this or this is going to happen. You do this or I'm going to execute you, right? This is the, this is the, the, the executioner's sword in Austin Kopic's book, 36 Faces. It, it, it makes uh, philosophical positions that are difficult to back away from. And I would advise against that because there is nuance in Gemini. There's a, a need to be flexible and see multiple perspectives, both in Gemini and Libra. And you may find that if you draw a line in the sand, you're going to have to have a very humbling um, retrograde experience where you probably are going to have to back off that position and you may find yourself uh, in a really tight spot. So stay curious. Stay curious, my friends. I feel like the Dos Equis guy. I'm like the, the Dos Equis guy of curiosity <laughs> instead of stay thirsty. Stay curious. Ask questions. Leave some room for ambiguity leave some room for the gray area that's important around this this full moon okay um steven says yes i've been learning new things learning new techniques with astrology and jupiter transiting my fifth has amped up my creativity well awesome steven sounds like you're having a good transit there i like jupiter in the fifth that's a fun transit for the most part uh, Kate says, I tend to forfeit my needs and become vulnerable to overcompensate. Yes, many of us do. I've, I've done that in the past. I do it a lot less now because I suffered <laughs> because of it. And I, if, if you knew me at age 20 versus age 42 now, I, no is my first answer a lot more than yes than it used to be. I used to say yes to everything and it would just, it really was stressful. Now I'm kind of like, mm, I'll think about that, but probably not. And, but if I, if I, I only say yes, if it's like a really a super huge 100% yes. And that's actually made my life a lot simpler. And it's, it's, uh, it's liberating. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm just, you all have such wonderful comments. I'm just going to keep going with, with the astrology here and try to get us through it. On the 10th of October, we have an ingress of a planet. So you could see that our good friend Hermes, aka Mercury, 
is going to be ingressing back into Libra. It was originally in Libra uh, a few weeks ago before retrograding back into Virgo to tie up some loose ends and complete some material processes, but now our minds may be shifting to finding equality, balance, and fairness. Again, we may be also becoming aware of an injustice and communicating uh, what we perceive might be more fair. Now, Mercury is going to be coming into an opposition over the next few days after the 10th with Jupiter. So there's, I don't know about all of you, but I've had some situations in the past few months uh, when this aspect was activated um, where someone, either myself or another party, really wanted to do something uh, that was very individually focused. And there was a quite a big conflict because they were these actions were were impulsive actions that would have had a detrimental effect on a partnership. And I, there's multiple things I can think of, and I'm not going to go into specifics with this. But uh, th there were situations where a an individually inspired action that was sort of rash, Jupiter in Aries had to be renegotiated by Mercury in Libra. So think about that and go back to the time when this happened originally a few weeks ago and see if you can identify some situation like that because it's probably circling back around or something similar is circling back around again. So uh, that's going to be active from the 10th to the 12th or so. In the midst of all this, on the 11th, we have a trine between Saturn and the Sun. So, it's time to sober up a little bit. It's time to do the mature thing. Uh, it's probably a good time to commit to a new ideal. Um, you may have, to, like I said, as these two things are happening simultaneously, look at that. Isn't that interesting? So it's always a, a symphony that's going on in the sky. It's not always just one aspect. These All these things are happening together. And I know we talk about them individually, but we really have to see them as a, a whole in a picture. Yeah, and Raven's saying if it's, if it's not a yes, it's a no. Yeah, I think so. Although with the caveat, there's some things that you would rather not do that you have to do out of duty. So I think that that's something that I would, I would make as, a, as an, a little asterisk on that. There's plenty of things that I didn't want to do that were not a yes, <laughs> that I knew I had to because I would put someone else at an extreme disadvantage if I didn't. And I think that there's the difference between that. But if there's something that isn't a duty that you were like, well, I could do it or I could not, and it's not 100% yes, then that, that is what I think about that. I think that it's important to make that clarification because if you, if you are like, I don't want to take the trash out this week, and you, you do that too many times in a row, it's not 100% yes, you're get, your house is going to be full of garbage, and it'll be disgusting. So um, again, you have to be able to have the discernment with that type of, um, that type of uh, philosophy. But back to this, this Mars, I'm sorry, this Saturn, Sun's uh, trine. So Saturn is slowing down as well and about to station direct at the end of the month. Really what Saturn is doing in the second decan of Aquarius 
is it's trying to move us forward. If we look at the picture in the tarot, it tells us it's trying to move us from one uh, ideal to another. And I say ideal because it's an air sign. And, and it's really like, I, I really see Saturn and Aquarius as saying, here is the blueprint to craft a community around. Okay, here are the rules. Here are your limitations. Here is your glass ceiling. Here, here is the beliefs that will either lead to peace and structure and balance or to, uh, you know, consequences if you aren't following the rules on some level. So I do think a lot of us have been trying to move on from one experience to another. I mean, my, I personally, I've, I've in, I'm in a seventh house Saturn ruled perfection year and seventh house being related to endings and completion. Um, and I've, I've had many since my birthday, I've had to come to terms with the passing of many people in my family. Uh, I've had to, I've had my daughter moving on from being a, a child to being an adult and moving out of the house and starting her own life. And it's a transitory period. It's a liminal space. It's like, who are you now that you are, as you move on to the next experience? And we've probably been reviewing who we are and what we want, the, the ideals that inform who we are and what we want to be. So this is, a, I think, an interesting time where our ability to commit to our new ideals is important. See, we're bringing in the awareness of our commitments with the sun in the second decan of Libra, and then, you know, bringing Saturn into the equation with saying, what is the blueprint that we're, we're going to create from? I really love this book by Charles Obert, uh, The Classical Seven Planets, um, where he talks about the relationship between Saturn and Jupiter and how they're very almost inseparable philosophically. They're part of the same sect. And he's talking about ancient astrologers thought of Saturn as giving the, the blueprint to Jupiter to create from. And I really like that. And I really like that Saturn's kind of setting the agenda and Jupiter is bringing things into form and making everything into, you know, is, is procreating. You know, if you look at all the myths associated with Jupiter, it, it is a very procreative, you know, uh, deity in Zeus. So that's something I think we, we're considering around the 11th of October with these, these two uh, very important transits happening simultaneously, self versus other, uh, considering how your actions affect other people, and then doing the sober thing that is, is probably taking into account everybody's needs rather than just the individual needs. And maybe even the everyone's needs as a community, not just as a partnership. Okay. Yes, Lisa says Saturn is not up for negotiation. Yes and no. Uh, it's much harder to negotiate with Saturn than uh, like with Mercury or even Venus on some level. Um, remember, Saturn is exalted in Libra. So I do think that there probably are um, arguments and I mean that in like the courtroom metaphor to be made about what is just and what isn't with Saturn. So I think that sometimes there will be testimony so that we can get all the information. And it's more or less like a negotiation with Saturn. It's more like a fact-finding mission. So I think what you're referring to, Lisa, and I'm trying not to misinterpret your comment, but yeah, there's, there's things that Saturn will bring you 
that are non-negotiable. <laughs> They're like, this is just what you have to do. And there's not really any getting out of it. You're bound to it. There's a binding energy to Saturn. Um, and I think that when I look at clients' charts, I say, where's your Saturn? What are you bound to develop over time through potentially being denied that when you were young? I have Saturn in the third deck in a Virgo. I was not very organized as a young person. In fact, my room was a, a nuclear bomb of chaos. It was very messy. And now, as I've gotten older, I've really, really had to organize my space, organize my budget, because it's in the second house, and be uh, responsible with how I order my space and my time and my resources. So that, that's something to, to think about. And, and it develops over time. It's a slow burn. It's not something that happens overnight. Saturn never gives uh, gifts instantaneously. Um, looking at the chat, with Saturn exalted in Libra, does it seem like trying to find a diplomatic way? Yes, I, I think a secret signification of Saturn, and we'll talk about this as we get to the third decade of Libra, uh, is balance. I think that um, the, the daimon in, in Libra 3 is Nemesis, and Nemesis was trying to restore right proportion uh, into the random distributions of fate by 2K or fortune. So through our actions, we are restoring balance through our sober actions. And to me, this has some significations with the 12th house as well. Saturn, it takes its joy in the 12th house. And, and I, I do have a, somewhat of an opinion and some experience with this, having both the sun and Mercury in the 12th house is that the planets that are in the 12th house are going through a re- balancing of their energy something about that energy is off and gone has gone to some kind of extreme or imbalanced place and through a some really difficult hard lessons it is becoming more mature it is becoming more balanced it is is reigniting uh equilibrium or or rebalancing i found that with my son like my son is there uh, I've had to go through a lot of different changes with my identity and, and my ego. Um, I've gone through wild swings of extreme overconfidence and ex you know extreme underconfidence. I've had to learn how to regulate you know uh, confidence level with the sun there. Um, I've gone through extremes of family things with the sun and cancer, like like a lot of exile and disappointment. To, to also having to create my own sense of home and family um, on some level. And Mercury there too. My mind has gone through those, those extreme swings. So I, I, I agree that Saturn is, a, I really do think a secret signification of Saturn is it desires harmony. It desires balance. I think that when we deal with Saturnian challenges, it's because there is an excess and I think that the one thing Saturn hates more than anything else is excess. <laughs> okay, like uh, so, think of it as a as a as a consolidating energy to remove unhealthy excesses. Okay, mm -mm -mm. But do, do, do. looking at the chat. All right, There's a lot of good comments. Kobabs is here. What's up, Kobabs? Nice to see you. Raven says, would you say planets transiting the 12th house could see some of the themes as well? Yes. 
if you have a planet transiting the 12th house, it's, there's probably that energy in your life is a little bit out of whack. And it's saying to me, take a break, relax, live into the answer, uh, release some of the expectations around that planet uh, and bring it back into harmony. And then once it goes back in your first house, you're able to, to utilize that and be empowered by that. That's something that, to think about is a planet is in the 12th house before it moves into the 12th. It's like in the womb. It is being alchemized in the 12th house. And then you have it at your disposal. So let's say you have Saturn moving through your 12th house. You're getting a rebalancing energy with how you take responsibility in your life. And once it moves into your first, you'll be able to use that energy. Okay, so this is something to think about with that. It's a it's a, a pregnancy period. It's a it's a uh, a gestation period for that energy. There's always a, a way to look at things in the positive. I think on some level. Okay, so that's October the 11th. Let's keep rolling. On the 12th, okay, after the Sun uh, Saturn trine. And in, in, in really in the midst of the Sun-Saturn trine, we are having also simultaneously a square between Mars and Neptune. Now again, you all have been subject to my Neptune bias, <laughs> which isn't really quite favorable. Mostly, mostly because I'm a person who enjoys having tangible organization and control. And Neptune uh, removes some of that and dissolves some of that. So what happens when it meets up with Mars? Well, I think that it's going to lead to potentially some fluidity required in our will or in our action. We may be taking some actions that we don't really know the, how they're going to turn out. They may require a leap of faith. They may be, uh, you know, we may be overthinking something where Neptune is saying just leap and have faith, right? Um, I think that this this third decade of Pisces is really, uh, I get a crusader's energy with that, like where we're, we're willing to sacrifice anything to make our dream come true. And Mars in the third decade of Gemini is saying, you're not going to be able to do everything that you want to do. You're going to have to make a choice. One, one twin has to, to uh, give up some immortality. One twin is going to die. The other, they, for them to um, live again, you got to sacrifice something. So I think that there may be some challenges around this Mars-Neptune square where we are trying to achieve a certain ideal and we just can't do everything if we want to bring it into the material realm and there's there's probably going to be some frustration with that there, there's probably going to be a lot of overthinking that may lead to a little bit of burnout again I, I i often experience personally neptune transits as feeling a little bit of physical burnout um, and needing to surrender to uh, some kind of energy Robert Schmidt called Neptune a transcendental moon, universal substance. It, I really believe it is a solvent. I believe it, Neptune is something that dissolves things back into uh, undifferentiated f form, right? Where if, when, when you bring something into being, 
you 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 put all the atoms and the the uh, molecules together in a structure and i think neptune's action is really just dissolving those back into the individual parts and atoms and and the the substance that can be created from so that's not always a fun experience as a human being sometimes it can be it can be if there if what you're experiencing is something that needs to be dissolved and needs to be transcended uh then it can be positive um but that i think is what we're going to be going through with uh the the mars neptune um square and also again this is simultaneously happening with an opposition between uh mercury and jupiter okay so just uh take it easy in mid-month you know it's 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 okay to rest i saw a, a a meme about libra on just a pop astrology social media site where they were joking about trying to get Libra to do something physical. It's like, we don't do physical labor. And I, I can kind of relate to that. I, I, I think that Librans definitely can do physical things, but I think that my experience of Libra season is that I would much rather use my mind than my body. Um, it's been harder for me to get out and take a walk as it's gotten darker and colder. Um, it's a little bit cooler in my house. So it's like everybody's moving a little slower. But my mind is engaged. I want to study. I want to read. I want to communicate. So there, there's just a shift from the physical part of the year, maybe more towards the um, metaphysical or, or intellectual. And I'm not saying one is necessarily better than the other. It's just we're just noticing the shifts in the energy. Um, looking through the chat, Raven says, thank you for the information, Spencer. I have a Jupiter moving through there right now, resonating with what you're talking about with the rebalancing. Yes, yes. It's always interesting to see planets moving through our, our houses of that nature. Uh, Leela says, my son is currently in a court battle regarding paternity and custody of all three of his small sons. Hoping and praying October's energy shed light on its acts. Well, if you feel like there's an injustice that isn't being served, you can make a prayer to the Uranus, <laughs> which, uh, you know, there's an Orphicam you can say to the Uranus. If, if you want something to be reconciled. You can also pray to Nemesis to restore right proportion to a random distribution of fate. I think that may even be a better deity to work with in something of that in, of that ilk. I would also highly recommend uh, Sphere and Sundry's Denabel Getty oil for, for dealing with legal issues. Um, I'm really enjoying just setting healthy boundaries with that particular oil, mostly with my neighbors. I, I, I live in an active, neighborhood block with lots of people around and i just you know they specifically talk about removing nuisances (laughs) and for someone who wants a peaceful sanctuary it's been good for that um okay let me see Uh, sorry if i'm skipping some of these things i'm trying to go a little bit more quickly so we get through these things we're heading towards hour number two here and i want to Keep it to about three hours if I can. Uh, Allie says, Allie Katz says, I'm thinking about Morpheus as an interesting Hellenistic archetype to apply to the planet Neptune. Yeah, the bringer of sleep and dream, right? Um, That is interesting. We'll have to explore that further in class, Allie. Uh, Juliana says, hey, Spencer, glad I tuned in at the right time. Yes, welcome, friend. Um, Juliana Fox is my... uh, a longtime friend, uh, astrology student, 
and client and also my hairdresser. <laughs> so I have a, and actually, Juliana, sorry, I'm just nerding out here. Here's the 10th. This is going to be our haircut. <laughs> Juliana is coming back to Michigan. It's going to give me a haircut on this day as Venus is uh, trining my natal Venus almost exactly. And the sun is trining my natal Venus. And uh, we'll see. I think I'm going to chop. I think I'm going to chop the mop. Uh, <laughs> get a haircut once every year, six months or so, because I just don't really like dealing with it too much more than I have to. Um, but anyway, welcome, friend. Um, okay, so back to the chart. That gets us through the sun in the second decan of Libra. We've got two more decans to go. Holy cow, we have two more decans to go. This has been a very meandering discussion today. It's been a good one. I just, I hope that, uh, I, I think that those of you who are still with me and are sticking this out, you like these longer meandering ones. I think we've already lost all the audience that doesn't like going on this epic two to three hour journey. <laughs> so I guess I'm not that worried about it. Uh, maybe I'll have to experiment with shorter content form, but that's just not, I don't know, that's just not how I roll. Um, yeah, Juliana says, good timing for your new main. <laughs> yes, indeed. So now we're looking at October the 13th, uh, the sun in the third decan of Libra. And I'm going to I'm gonna get a little snack here real quick so I can restore my blood sugar. So hold on one second. I've been drinking these, these protein shakes that are like gluten-free and dairy-free. I have a little bit of a dairy gluten slash gluten sensitivity. And these are nice where I can just drink something real quick while I'm doing these marathon sessions and hopefully get a little bit of calories so that my blood sugar doesn't get too low and I start really, really uh, getting spacey. <laughs> That's been my experience. Um, okay. Yes, I'm, I am a little bit of a t tangent teacher sometimes. Hopefully the tangents are are helpful. Okay, Sun in Libra 3. Let's focus. This decan is called a gyroscope by Austin Kopic in his book 36 Faces and the Widening Gyre in T. Susan Chang's book 36 Secrets. We shift from a Saturn ruled decan to a Jupiter slash Mercury ruled decan. So we have uh, a Four of Swords card associated with it with a figure that is resting. Excuse me. Book T calls this rest from strife. Or uh, Book of Toth calls it the tr truce, the Lord of Truce. So maybe this is the time after we've had a conflict or we've maybe we've either established an agreement uh, or a commitment or an oath or we've, you know, had the an oath broken. And now we're just resting after the negotiation, the conflict. Um, it's Daimon is Nemesis that I talked about daimon uh, nemesis restoring right proportion and this is something that um I, I one other tangent if you'll f forgive me for one real quick here that i think is important these two houses right here 12 and 11 are called the daimon houses the houses of spirit these two houses right here five and six are called the houses of 2k or the houses of fortune in them Saturn joys in the 12th, 
Jupiter joys in the 11th. Uh, Venus joys in the 5th, and Mars joys in the 6th. These two planets are of the solar sect, which is called Daimon on some level, and these two planets are of the lunar sect, which is associated with 2K. So this is like a little skeleton key for these two houses and planets. This is, this is a really fun concept. So you can see that like we are restoring right proportion through Nemesis. They also called Saturn a planet of Nemesis on some level. So this is why I, I really think about the 12th house as a, as, a, as a place where we're restoring balance to the random distributions of fate, where through our, our suffering, through our Sisyphean tasks, through pushing the boulder up the hill over and over again, we're almost purifying ourselves, I think, on some level. I've gone through this many times in my life. I, I've, I've had a lot of good things happen in my life, and I've had a lot of really challenging things. And I think that, you know, I'm not alone in this. Um, and I don't talk about the challenging things in super detail. You, you all know some of them because I'm a public figure. Uh, but there's a lot that people don't know uh, that was very tough growing up and in my youth and in my young adulthood as well. And oftentimes in my life, it's felt like pushing the boulder up the hill, only have another crisis keep happening. And one of the shifts that I've had to have with that is that uh, I have learned, I have the part of spirit in the third decan of Libra. So this is my roundabout way of describing Libra 3 to you. I have learned that there will always be some kind of chaos happening in my life. It's just the nature of being alive. And part of it is my perspective. Sometimes I've tended to focus on the things that were out of balance and, and made a crisis out of that and allowed those thoughts to challenge my own confidence, my own ability to move forward with my life. And what I've had to learn with the part of spirit, which Cat Rose Nelligan, one of my favorite astrologers who has a really great book on the lot of spirit, talk, talks about meeting your fate through the lot of spirit. What I've had to learn is that through getting quieting my mind, through meditation, through prayer, through um, having an inner peace that can lead to a better outcome externally. It's not that I have to find the external environment that is peaceful. I have to find my own inner balance and peace, and then I will bring that to the outer world and hopefully be a stabilizing force for my family, for my community, for my clients, for whoever needs a little bit of, you know, I don't know, peace and balance and harmony. And that's something that I really enjoy doing. I've also noticed that in some of my client work, I've realized that I will often take on a balancing energy to the client. If the client is very quiet, I will, uh, be, I will encourage them to be more uh, vibrant and communicative. If the, if the client is very um, bombastic, I encourage them to, to slow down and quiet down a little bit. <laughs> it just doesn't matter which, which extreme they're at. I, I'm always encouraging balance.
Um, and I think that this Deccan is about maintenance of balance. We've established what is fair in the first two Deccans by, by acknowledging what is not fair in the first Deccan, coming into a more balanced, harmonious, contractual agreement in the second, and then sort of making adjustments to maintain that peace over time. I think that that's what we're doing here. So planets in the 12th house, if we extend this out philosophically, are we're making adjustments. There's something that wasn't working with that energy, with that planet. And we're trying to bring something back into harmony. There was something in, you know, if I keep using myself as, a, as an example, something that wasn't working with, let's, let's use my Mercury this time, with it's the ruler of the second and the 11th house. There's something that wasn't working with the way that I thought about my resources and about my relationship to society and belonging. I always felt like an outsider as a young person because I moved around a lot. I didn't fit in with the group. I, I saw things. I, I, I had some intuitive understanding of what people were going through without the language to use it. And that was very painful as a sensitive, empathetic, empathetic child, especially with a family that was really broken. Um, and I've had to go through a shift of the way I thought about my community and create balance through creating harmony with the group rather than saying the group doesn't accept me. Screw the group. You know what I'm saying? Same thing with my resources. I, I had a lot of shifts of fortune financially as a young person. I had very affluent grandparents that I realized as a teenager gained a lot of that wealth through really not um, through nefarious means that I didn't agree with philosophically. So I rejected money as a concept for a long period of time. And I've had to come into balance with that and start saying, it's not money isn't evil. It's like, what are you doing to, to do it? So that's another rebalancing maintenance type of experience. Okay. So think about that with the third decan of Libra is there's probably something that is out of whack that you're going to need to bring into harmony around this period of time from October the 13th to the 23rd, where you've, you already know what it is. Now you just like, you have to just keep the plates spinning. I guess I would say, you know, you have to keep spinning a plate and then another one's wobbling and you have to go spin that one. There may be multiple things that are, that need your attention and you have to figure out how to give them the right amount of attention, but mostly it's through your own inner peace. Okay, um, looking through the chat, some good comments about the Sandman series. I love that. I love that series. Really great. Neil Gaiman inspired uh, from the comics. Uh, really good stuff. Um, let's see. Yeah, Stephen has a part of spirit in the first decade of Libra. So yes, yes, going through a similar experience. Um... Kate says, really striking me how my upbringing mirrors your own experience. I am moved so much. Well, you know, this is the thing. And this is why we share some of our experiences. You don't have to share every single thing. There's some things that are okay to keep private. I think that in my own experience, I share some of my vulnerability in my stories so that people can find recognition in their own story. And I think that when we allow ourselves to be authentic and true and and share our pains as well as our successes 
it, it makes it okay for other people to to realize that life doesn't have to be this you know i don't know pinterest board right and it isn't and and even the people that present themselves as having the pinterest board life it's it's a mask it's a facade often those people are some of the most toxic unbalanced people you've ever met in your life not to say that there aren't some wonderful people that are doing good work that have a good sense of aesthetics but um it's okay to get a little messy sometimes with life and i think we learn the most important things from that all right um so just just to just to wrap up whatever's on the screen here those two houses are more related to our actions these two houses down here the five and six are more related to to fortune that we receive really through not always through our own efforts so you may receive misfortunes through accidents and illnesses that aren't necessarily your fault through the sixth house and that brings you away from completion you may receive benefits from your family or from like your kids that you didn't really do anything except pursue some pleasure to to create something that benefits you long term potentially and we can argue how our experience of parenthood is like but oftentimes it's a legacy that we're getting sometimes venus can represent good fortune that you just need to learn to receive and op be open to receive whereas jupiter in the 11th house is more about the actions that will we take that will create honor and merit eventually in the 10th house okay and eventually saturn in the 12th is going to be in the first house right so it, it, or it's being pulled away from the angle but there's all there's so many paradoxes in the way we look at a chart but eventually maybe after purification the planet that was in the 12th is available for us to use in a more balanced way okay all right so let's keep going so let's talk about this astrology the details i'll go through this a little bit quicker let me see we still got people hanging out yeah, 33 of you are still here. That's awesome. You all are awesome. I'm so grateful that people uh, want to hang out and that we can connect and that it's it's nice to feel heard. And I, I hope that I help you feel heard by shouting out your comments. And that's part of the reason this broadcast takes as long as it does, because I want to include you in it rather than just talk at you. Okay. So let's talk about October the 13th. So the, the moon starts out of bounds at the beginning of Libra three season. So we've got a Gemini moon here out of bounds. We're probably going to be thinking a lot about, you know, the experiences we just went through with the Mercury opposite Jupiter, with Mars squaring Neptune, with the sun trining Saturn, uh, etc. So try not to get overly emotional. That goes from 13th to the 18th. Uh, it's important to relax around this this uh, period of time. Um, it's important to, um, you know, not overwhelm yourself with alternatives. I think that's the thing because the moon is going to hook up with Mars, and that could lead to like a, maybe like a a mini nervous breakdown. That that's the extreme wording of it, but maybe we're just feeling some extra anxiety that where it makes it hard to sleep or hard to relax. I think there's an overthinking quality with this that I think if we release the the need to know everything right away, we might navigate this out of bounds moon a little bit better. Now, as we um, 
get to the 14th, we are going to be experiencing a trine between Venus and Saturn. So look at this is really fascinating to me because because Venus and the, and the sun are traveling so close together. They're kind of in tandem right now. This is like the Libra dream, isn't it? Like <laughs> the Libra sun has its buddy with them. You know, it's so happy. It's got Venus there. Um, we're going to see aspects from the sun to other planets and then Venus immediately making a similar aspect for a period of time. So now Venus is going to be making that that harmonious trine to Saturn. So maybe after all of the challenging conversations that we had, we're ready to make a commitment in a relationship or in, in something that is related to Venus in our chart. So look at Libra and look at where you may be trying to create peace in that, in that area of your life. And then look at also uh, the Taurus um, house in your chart because Taurus is provided being provided resources by Venus, although it isn't witnessing right now. There's a, there's a concept called liking girding where it has kind of a secret way of providing resources for it. Um, so check out, check out the, those two areas of your life to see what you may be uh, committing to during this period of time. Um, oh, well, thank you, Kate. Kate is talking about my uniqueness. I appreciate that. This is a, I try. This doing this is sometimes one of the most humbling things ever. Um, one of the things I hated the most as a young person was being embarrassed. I didn't. I didn't even want really people to look at me as a young person because I was just embarrassed about things. And here now, it's just like here. Here's all my vulnerability. <laughs> just try to be kind. <laughs> you know, um, it's it's a very different experience. I'm, I guess I'm maybe I'm growing into my Leo North node about visibility and, and um, the advantages of, of doing, being visible, but also utilizing my spotlight for the good of the group and the good of the whole, rather than just a self-serving type of thing. So that's what, I, again, that's, oh, whoa, what happened? There we go. Sorry. Had some weird thing going on there. All right. So that's October the 14th with the, a trine between Venus and Saturn. On the 16th, Mercury is going to go back under the beams of the sun. So you can see here, we have Mercury within 15 degrees of the sun and getting closer to the sun. Okay, And it's going under the beams of the sun at that 8 degree Libra um, area, which I said earlier was associated with a fixed star called Diadem. And Diadem is a fixed star in Coma Bernices, which is a constellation that is like a, a looks like either a crown or like in this case I think the crown is referring to hair. So it looks like a big wig in the sky, like a big big sky weave. <laughs> big sky weave. Sorry. I'm sorry. Um so so you know Coma you know Bernices, Queen Bernices um cut off her hair and sacrificed it to on the altar of Aphrodite for the safe return of her husband from war. And um, this, so this, there is probably a sacrifice that may, we have to renegotiate some kind of familial sacrifice that we are making around this period of time. And there may be some responsibilities that come along with that. But, but there, I think it's important to really consider 
taking an action as Mercury makes its morning set, okay, that is in the in for the good of your community. And I think you'll benefit from that. A lot of the times we wonder, well, if we do this, if we give up our own self, you know, guided perspective initiative willpower thing, is are we going to benefit? I think in this case, you probably will do some good if you take everyone's needs into consideration. And it's okay to make the sacrifice for the good of the whole uh, at this period of time. Um, remember, Mercury is also kind of, you know, it gets a little bit weakened at this point too. So it's probably important to really weigh the advantages and disadvantages of whatever you're going through uh, thoroughly. Uh, Caroline, Carolyn Perkins is here. We met in one of Adam's classes. I love your in-depth analysis. I'm a Libra Sun, Mercury, Neptune. This is great stuff. Well, thank you, Carolyn. Nice to see you. Um, I welcome more Nightlight alumni. You know, this is a great place for uh, Nightlight alumni to hang out. And um, yeah, again, in in great gratitude to to Adam Ellenboss for his. Um, his contribution to astrology and, and just uh, my understanding of it. It's weird kind of going back and forth with uh, his new slash old name. I think I'd just gotten used to um, using his new name or his, his new um, Bhakti name. But, you know, this is, it's not that big of a deal as far as like we are concerned. It's a big deal for him, but it's, it's easy. You get used to it and I think it's important to honor people's journeys and honor what, where, where, what they're comfortable being called, whether it's a birth name or an assumed name or, or whatever. And I think that's really, uh, you can give someone a lot of grace by just honoring their wishes. Okay, so that's the Mercury going under the beams. The other thing to consider about this under the beams kind of energy, the morning set, is that Mercury is moving a lot faster when it's direct. So this is, we're heading towards the, what is called the superior conjunction of Mercury, the superior Kazemi, right? In the heart of the sun. So when it's di direct, it's called the superior conjunction. When it's, when it's retrograde, it's called the, the uh, inferior conjunction. Now, I've been talking to another astrologer named um, Gary Caton, who is the Mercury expert. And I I, th I think, and I'm not 100% clear on this, but I know that he says that the when Mercury is under the beams and retrograde, he considers that Mercury being in the underworld. I would assume that when Mercury is um, under the beams direct, that it is Mercury visiting the gods and visiting Olympus to get some kind of download from spirit. So if you think of it in that way, Although there can be an argument made that Mercury at its greatest elongation could be Mercury visiting the gods, but, but we're splitting hairs, and I don't have a good answer for that. Um, but maybe th think about, there may be something from your higher self. Rather than going into the depths of your past, uh, it, there may be something aspirational about Mercury going under the beams direct and then coming into the heart of the sun. So, and it may move quickly. When Mercury slows down, it's like review, slow down. Here, there might be some new idea. Um, and the, the Kazemi is going to happen in Scorpio. So there may be some new idea related to Scorpionic themes that we will see uh, as we get into the next month.
Um, yes, honoring they, them identities. I agree, Stephen. Yeah, we, we try to honor everyone's identities, pronouns, all of those things. I mean, how, how, how difficult is it really? Like, I mean, on some level, it's just like, really? Just, just let people be what or who they want to be and call them what they want to be called. It's no skin off your ass. <laughs> like that's what, I, that's what I think about all that. It's kind of like, eh. When people get upset about it, it's like, yeah, whatever. It's not about you. Like, do what, what allows people to feel comfortable being themselves. And then, you know, I don't know. It's going to say something like uh, more severe for people who aren't accepting, but I think I'll just hold my tongue and and hopefully encourage people to be kind to people and accept people where they're at. And again, allow them to change their mind too. All right, so that's Mercury going under the beams of the sun, the morning set, conjoining the fixed star diadem, maybe potentially visiting Olympus. Uh, if we get to the 17th, here again we have uh, another lunar phase that is kind of giving us some insight into some of the challenges we might be experiencing. So here is the sun, I'm sorry, the sun at 24 degrees of Libra and the moon at 24 degrees of Cancer. That is called the last quarter moon. And the last quarter moon, according to Dane Rudyard and Demetra George, who's a disciple of that type of thinking, is sort of like an existential crisis where we might be changing our mind about something. We're trying to consolidate all the wisdom that we've learned from the lunar cycle. And now we're trying to shift and release energy. This is something that's important about the moon. The moon is a manifester, but the moon is also a composter. Right, so we we gain light and then we release it and disseminate it. So you may be you know changing your mind about something. I, I'm a last quarter moon phase in my natal chart, and I often question the norms of society. I, I was not someone who fell into line with uh, the expectations. I was like, well, why do we do that? Why are we doing it this way? I don't agree with that, and I'm gonna like ask those questions. Um, so we may be doing that in our own lives. I think the moon is in a much more powerful position because it's in its own domicile. The moon is in the decan of cancer that's associated with um, questions of surplus and scarcity. So in this decan, we may have an awareness of we, we are rich in one area of life, but that richness takes away from some other area. And uh, as a Mercury native of this decan, it, it really affected the way that I dealt with um, resources. I, I felt a lot of guilt around receiving because I saw that not everyone had um, the advantages that I did at various times in my, in my youth. Um, and then, you know, also I've experienced scarcity through, I don't know, sometimes you have a generation where you have one generation that has figured it out and then the, their kids kind of screw it up. That's what happened with my, my grandparents were like, had a lot of advantages and wealth and stability for the most part. And then my parents kind of, uh, they screwed it up. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. And they cost themselves a lot of money fighting with each other and experienced some scarcity because of that disharmony. And 
I was the beneficiary of both my grandparents' abundance and my parents' scarcity. So it, it's it's a really unique perspective to have on life. I having both periods of privilege and then periods of like lack. And I think that this moon is going to be bringing that question to the fore. And it's going to be challenging our sense of equilibrium and balance and peace. So you might be asking yourself, how much is enough? I've already satisfied my physical desires. How do I find meaning now? That's what I think a lot of the four of, of cups card is all about too. It's like, I've already satisfied the desires of the body. Now, where do I find, you know, meaning again as in the transition from cancer to Leo, uh, you know, liberate spirit and, and pursue something that is a worthy uh, spiritual goal rather than just uh, satiating the senses. Uh, so that's going to be October the 17th. Um, we also on this day are going to see a trine between the sun and Mars. Whoops. Always, sometimes I forget to change my little cursor here. So you can see here that we've got a sun, a sun Mars trine. So this may be another moment where to restore balance and harmony and equilibrium like nemesis and right proportion, we have to utilize the energy of Mars to eliminate and separate from some idea, some imagined pathway. Gemini expands options, whereas Virgo consolidates them. When Mars is moving through Gemini, we may be aggressively pursuing many different options, but really I think the essence of that energy is sever some options. So to restore balance and peace, you may have to say, this just isn't right for me right now. This is what's important, okay? So again, I, I will reiterate this for you Gemini folks out there. You, you can pursue many different things in your life. Uh, you can change your mind. It's okay to change your mind. You can pursue something, and then when you've got, learned what you need to learn from it, you can shift gears and pursue something else. What I will say, when, when folks with Gemini placements, myself included, start going haywire, is when we try to pursue everything all at once, or when we aren't present with what we're pursuing in the moment because we're already trying to imagine the advantages or disadvantages of something else that we're not actually doing. So here's an example of this. I have Venus and Gemini square my stellium in Virgo with Jupiter, Saturn, and Mars in, in Virgo. When I was a child, my poor Piscean father, uh, who, bless his heart, was a little bit of a pushover. I was a very strong-willed child. I was a Leo rising child, stubborn Taurus moon. I wanted to get my own way, and I was not shy about expressing it. And when, when we would go shop for shoes or pants, because we didn't have a lot of money, because I didn't have the ability to get shoes all the time, I wanted to get the perfect shoe for me. And I would, I would go and I'd, I'd ask my dad to take me to like six different stores to, to look at all the options. I wanted to know every option before I made my choice. I wanted to be well informed. And this manifests now and I have to read eight books before I make a decision to what the essence of that is. And it drove myself and my dad crazy 
Okay. Like to the point where eventually my dad, bless his heart, had to be like, just pick something. And then I would pick something and then I would get it and I would instantly regret it. (laughs) Sometimes I would even make, make him or he allowed me to return it and get something else, which looking back on it, I just tortured my father. And I think that this is some of the energy that we have to be careful of with Mars and Gemini is that we can just torture ourselves and others by trying to, 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 to take into account every single option. You know what I've learned as an adult? I can't possibly know every single option. Sometimes I just have to choose. And if I make the, if it turns out that the choice I made wasn't the most ideal choice, I can make a new choice later. And yes, it's hard because we have, sometimes we have limited resources, but it's every choice is a learning experience. Every choice is, is something where you can be present in the moment. And I think that this is the moment where to restore balance and equilibrium, it's okay, just make one choice. You don't have to explore every single path. There will be times where you can find a new path, but breathe life into the path that is most important to you. Remember, the transition from Gemini is to Cancer. We want to nurture something after exploration. That's really the goal of Gemini is get us to the, let's get us to the solstice so we can infuse something into a body, an idea into a body and nurture it to its full potential over the course of cancer to Leo. See what I'm saying here? There's a, there's a, a, a method to the madness. Okay. So gentle with yourself. You don't have to do everything all at once. It's okay to explore a little bit, but then eventually release some of the the options. So that's October the 17th. That's the the trine from the sun to Mars. When we get to the 18th, and and again, remember that these aspects, I've given you specific dates, but these these aspects are going to be uh, applying within three degrees and however long that takes to apply. So that that sun-Mars trine is going to be applying for a couple days. You're going to feel that for a couple days beforehand. And my, you're also going to be feeling a trine between Venus and Mars that's happening simultaneously because Venus and, and Sun are traveling together. Remember we had a trine between uh, the Sun and Venus and Saturn earlier in the month, and now we're going to have the, the trine between the Sun and Venus and Mars later in the month. So again, to, to create harmony, we may have to cut or sever some of the choices. So again, themes are similar, but they might be related to multiple areas of your life, the, the Leo areas and the Taurus and the Libra areas, because those planets are providing resources for those areas of your life. Steven says, I drove my poor Libra dad crazy. Pisces, this Pisces with Mars and Aries, Sag Moon trying, yes. Um, yeah, we, it's hard to realize that in the moment, we probably, all of us probably drove our parents crazy on some level. Um, and my daughter drove me crazy and I, I got a lot of the <laughs> karma came back around. Um, my dad used to, uh, my, my dad really used to torture me with like, just wait till you have kids, <laughs> that, that line, right? <laughs> oh boy. And did it, did it ever. Um, and I love my daughter, but, um, there's it definitely what went around came around. Um, 
Urania, Portia says, I have these dynamics too, but no Gemini or Virgo placements. So I'm wondering where that's coming from. Maybe Mercury in Capricorn. Yeah. And I wonder, Urania, Portia, if it's first deck in Capricorn, um, because if it is, you're, you're doing the two of pentacles energy with the juggling and the weighing of two, two different possibilities. So maybe you can confirm or deny that. I don't remember specifically off the top of my head where it is in your chart, but that's one potential possibility. Okay, so that's the 18th. And while this is happening, we have the sun making and applying trine to, or I'm sorry, applying square to Pluto. Wow, even more viewers. That's awesome that you all are hanging out and sticking around. I'm constantly in awe of that and grateful. This is a great time to just take a little break and say, if you are enjoying this content, you can do me a huge favor by hitting the like button on this video or subscribing to the channel or the, or and the newsletter. That's how you can find out when I'm going to be going live again, which is roughly once a week, or when I have offerings like new classes or webinars. If you'd like to make a material donation to the work I'm doing today, buy me some more shakes to keep my blood sugar high. You can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com or do a little super chat or super sticker in the chat um, today. So thank you for all of that. Okay, so as we were experiencing the, the sun and Venus trining Mars, we also have the sun and then subsequently Venus Okay, see the theme here? The, we're going to see this happening over and over again, where the sun's going to bring awareness to something, and then we're going to have to harmonize it. That, that, that's a great way to think about this. So the sun is something that brings clarity and shines light. When it, it hits something, it's bringing our awareness, our vision, right? It, it is light. It is literal light. So we're, we're, every time the sun is hitting one of these planets, it's bringing an awareness of a dynamic between them. So on the 19th and leading up to the 19th, we'll, we will have an awareness of potentially some power struggles that we're going to be going through, unfortunately. Whenever the sun and Pluto make a difficult aspect with one another, bar none, there's power, power struggle. Okay? We, we, we think of the sun as authority and authority figures. We think of Pluto as, as things that were buried, corruption that needs to be unearthed and transformed and dealt with. So there may be something in your life that's throwing you off of your balance, and it may be corruption of a, of a system. I look at Pluto and Capricorn as systemic corruption. It is more about like the government or the, the DMV or something like that, where there's probably something that you're going through around this period of time where you have an awareness of a system that isn't you know, working properly in your life, and you're going to have to go through some stuff to, to harmonize it eventually with Venus making that square. Maybe there's a relationship that is is going through some changes. Uh, you know, I, I'm thinking about like, like going back to my earlier story about student loans. Maybe some corruption is revealed about, you know, people barking about, well, why does one person get their, their student loan forgiven and these other people aren't? And maybe there's enough of that to like, help them to backtrack, you know, and change the story. I hope for everyone's sake that the most people, more, more people, uh, not less, get, get uh, relief from crippling student loan debt. Because again, I think it's very predatory the way that we 
put young people into bondage without proper financial education built into the system. And, and, um, but I'm not going to dwell on that though. So awareness of some kind of power struggle and then Venus having to, to kind of work through it. So be very careful about not falling prey to manipulation in your relationships to maybe not lashing out against your, uh, systems as well. Um, there may be some frustration around this period of time with our governments and with our leaders and and that's understandable and sometimes we do have to hold those leaders accountable we have some really corrupt leadership that's going on over in uh in europe right now and 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 we're seeing the devastation that that can that can cause there's also some newly elected authoritarian leadership in italy which is a little bit unsettling um there's a there's a real rise of uh, authoritarianism in the world right now, and it's it's um, something that we should probably pay attention to so that we don't repeat the mistakes of the past. And I'm speaking specifically to uh, things like World War II, where we saw rise of authoritarian um, fascist regimes and and the the pain and suffering that that caused. And I think that we're still in a moment where we might be able to shift the the outcomes if we if we really pay attention and stop it in its tracks before it gains um, too much of a foothold. I just keep praying for that. And I hope that for all of you across different parts of the world that I pray for your freedom and sovereignty as well. So that's that's the events of the squares between Pluto and um, the sun and Mercury. I'm sorry, sun and, and uh, Venus. So this is leading us to a beautiful Venus Kazemi at the on the 22nd of October. So I think that whatever is exposed, and something will in, indefinitely probably be exposed, some corrupted power system, there is a beautiful solution potentially coming after. Um, this is a really powerful Kazemi for Venus because it's happening in Libra, it's happening in her home sign. I believe that there was Kazemis that were happening earlier in Scorpio for the past few years. And correct me if I'm wrong, this is just something off the top of my head, but this might be a really beautiful moment for peace um, and for reestablishing harmony and peace after the exposure exposure of corruption or or some kind of really difficult uh, negotiation or you know, power struggle. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this, although I will say instantaneously after this Venus Kazemi in the heart of the sun, um, Venus will immediately go into her exile in Scorpio. The sun will gain dignity in Scorpio. Uh, I mean, I don't know if it gains dignity, but it, it, it loses detriment, right? It loses fall. I mean, it, debility is what I meant to say. It loses a debility and is sort of in a more quote-unquote neutral space. Now, it's not totally neutral because it's moving from a domicile of a benefic to one of a malefic, and that malefic is not super happy right now. Um, When this shift happens, and here I'll show you the shift. It's going to happen on the 23rd. This, this, This 23rd of October is a big day. So you could see instantly we have 
both Venus and the Sun moving into Scorpio. So Venus is losing dignity. And, and the host is now not a really beautiful, juiced up Venus, but a stationing Mars that is about to go out of bounds or literally is going out of bounds as we enter Scorpio season. So, yeah, and Stephen's pointing out that the Venus Kazemi is at a critical degree. I, I, I have some faith in that Kazemi, but it may be short-lived. There's going to be other problems that come up, okay? Uh, yeah, and, and Kate says, the alignment reminds me of devastating beauty, the humbling kind. Yes, I, I agree. I'm... I'm trying to stay centered and balanced and hopeful. Um, we're at a real crossroads as a species right now. There is a lot of stuff that we shouldn't ignore with our climate, with our socioeconomic uh, situation, with our um, the way that we get along with one another as countries and how we're going to treat one another. We're at a really intense crossroads right now. And I think that it's super important um, for all of us to try to com contribute to the world that we would love to see rather than fall prey to the forces that would want us to fall into fear and despair. Um, a little bit of mm, sobriety is important and we don't want to ignore the problems, but we also have to be very conscientious of uh, not contributing to the problems through um, fear-mongering or, or things of that nature, or just creating divisiveness. This is a time that humanity really actually needs to bind together for the survival, long-term survival of the species. And unfortunately, we're, we're, it feels very divisive right now. And I hope that we can um, figure it out. I really do. Um, so yeah, shine your light into the world. Be the change you want to see. Super important. For those of you who are interested, and this is sort of just my own vanity, but uh, I have a song that I wrote about Gandhi. Um, it was called Gandhi's Blues, and I took a bunch of Gandhi quotes and put them into song, and you can find it on my SoundCloud, Spencer Michelle Music. Uh, it was just a, a, a rough demo that I did, um, but it was, you know, it was a, a really, there, there's a lot of wisdom that came out of the way that he uh, expressed himself and there, there are definitely, he was not a perfect person. He had some problematic things in his life and actions. But um, overall, I think that there's a lot of wisdom in, in um, not letting um, people dirty your mind uh, with their dirty feet. There's something, a quote about that, about don't let them walk through your mind with their dirty feet. And I, I, I think that that's a really an important an important thing to consider as we move into this time period. Um, Kate says, this looks like preparation, sun going into Scorpio with Venus. It's weird, like God's hand, because luminaries are both with Venus. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 it's prepping us for the eclipse. I mean, this is, we're heading into eclipse season as we head into Scorpio here. Uh, so we're, we're going to start feeling you know, this is a balsamic moon phase that we're looking at on October the 23rd. We're tying up loose ends for a very interesting new start. So let's kind of break that down. So on the 22nd, you know, there's also that Mercury trine Saturn that we missed uh, uh, the day before. 
So that's another aspect where we're getting some negotiations. So, so sober negotiations are happening as well. Um, but on the 23rd, we have the sun and Venus moving into Scorpio and we have Saturn turning direct. In addition, Mars is getting ready to slow down. It's not retrograde yet, but it's, it's slowing way down to station. So again, I talked earlier about Mars handing over, you know, energy to Saturn, where we're really going to have to consider the, the long-term communal ramifications of our actions and our own personal desires may be uh, subjugated to the needs of the collective. And I know how that's really hard for a lot of people. Um, I don't think that there's any shame in that. I think that we do have to be careful that we're not subjugating our, our all of our freedom on some level. I, I, although I, a lot of people are going to disagree with me about what freedom actually means. Freedom does not mean that you get to do whatever you want, whenever you want to do it. I think that's the biggest sham that I've heard a lot of people, especially in my own country, start to put out there. I think that when you're, you're exerting of your will hurts other people, that's not freedom. That's abuse. So I'm sorry to feel so severe about it, but I think that with Saturn turning direct, there's going to be more need to put our own personal desires aside and do what is good for the collective. So, and that may, it may feel like you can't do whatever you want. Well, too bad. That's Saturn. Sorry. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just grow up. You know, that's what Saturn is saying. You know who tries to get what they want all the time? A fucking toddler. And they learn over time that they can't just, you know, do whatever they want whenever they want to do it. You know, there's limits and boundaries that are important for growing into a mature individual, right? And, and that's what Saturn's going to be saying here is that something is going to need to change for us to, to, to keep the fabric of society functional. I think this is what Saturn in Aquarius is doing is saying, yeah, like Rachel's saying, care for your community. So, yeah, collective psychological life support, Kate says, 100%. I think that we're in a time that is, I, I, all of the, you know, kind of things that people talk about with the, the Aquarian age, which I don't actually believe in, um, I think that we are in the air age. If you want, if you, if you want to add something to that, we're, we are in the the Saturn Jupiter coming together in Aquarius type of age. But I think it's very different than what people thought about with the quote unquote Aquarian age. Um, it's not just like peace, love, harmony, brotherhood. It's, Hey, there's some really difficult compromises that you're going to have to make for the good of the collective and the, the species as a whole. And we are so polarized right now about, our individual desires versus what needs to happen for the good of the whole. And I, I just pray, I really pray that we can put some of our individual challenges aside and come together for just the good of the planet. You know what I'm saying? Like all this like saber rattling really upsets me because ultimately, do you know who loses if, if, if somebody pulls the trigger on any of that? Everybody, everybody loses. Nobody wins. And I just sit with that for a second. 
everybody loses. So in your own life, if you have a situation where you're, you're, you know, trying to, you're so polarized that you're ready to blow up your whole life. Who wins in that? Nobody. And you may have to do something really hard and really difficult to create the best possible outcome for everyone in your life. And I, I really think this is a pivotal moment for something of that nature. And that being said, let's talk a little bit about Scorpio 1. So when we get to, again, Mars is out of bounds now, right? I, I think this is another thing to consider. This Mars is spicy, all right? This is something where you're going to feel your anger, your righteous indignation. You're going to want to lash out with your words. Um, Mars is not going to follow the normal rules. I, I'm a little bit nervous about this period of time because an out-of-bounds Mars feels to me like an escalation of violence. And we already have enough violence right now, and, and I think this is going to be a tense time, um, unfortunately. Now, that doesn't mean that it's like the end of the world or anything like that. And, you know, to be honest, even if it was, would we, would we know the difference? I mean, <laughs> that's kind of my thought now. It's like, even if the world blew up tomorrow, like then what, then maybe we're on to the next, next experience or something. Right. Anyway, that's not what anybody wants. That's not, I'm not advocating for that. I'm hoping that we can be mature with our Mars during this period of time. There will be choices that need to be made. There will be difficult choices. There will be reviews of conflicts that we've already made a decision about, okay? There will be, an, I think that Saturn is gonna say, you know what, it's, it's time to really Saturn up. It's time not to throw temper tantrums about idealism. It's time to just unify as best you can for the good of everyone so we can all make it through this as best we can because whether we like it or not we're facing some really tough times with climate change we're facing some tough times with uh, food security with water cleanliness with uh, weather that has become more and more extreme and you know when a disaster hits what do you rely on you rely on your community to get you through it you're not going to be able to just individual your way out of a hurricane. It just doesn't work that way. You're not going to be able to in, in, individuate your way out of a flood where you need to be rescued by somebody in a boat. It just, it's not realistic. Okay. So lean on your community, create your community, reach out to your community. Okay. Now in true Libra fashion, let me just give the counterbalance to that there are certain times where we do need to protect certain individual rights and that's important too and we're going through that as as a world community as well so that's why we have the discussions that's why we have the the hopefully peaceful debate um rather than an argument there's a way to have debate that is fruitful rather than destructive and i hope that we can um, do that as much as possible um let's see yeah yeah carolyn um there's the world is at a real tipping point right now and um i think it's really irresponsible not to 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 talk about it 
Um, I'm someone who uh, used to get really overwhelmed by the collective, and sometimes I would have to just focus on my personal um, to not get overwhelmed by world events. But I do think it is important that we try to take good care of ourselves, put out positivity into the world, but also acknowledge that we're heading into a difficult time, which is sometimes just the reality. And this, these are, I'll, I'll say, one of the most cliched but beautiful quotes, right, from the Lord of the Rings. It's, we don't always get to choose the time that we are born into. We get to choose what we do with it. And we can bemoan the choices of our, of our ancestors that got us to this point, but that honestly doesn't matter anymore. It matters what you do about it now. And that's what Gandalf was trying to tell, um, you know, Frodo when he had to take the ring to the to Mordor. Um, we're having to take a ring to Mordor. I mean, that's, there's just no two ways about it. We, we can't just sit in the Shire and smell flowers and drink mead. Um, we got to do the, the, the tough journey to get us back to balance and back to equilibrium. Okay. Um, so let's talk a little bit about Scorpio one and this eclipse that we're going to be experiencing on the 25th. So here is October the 25th. Um, and you can see there's a new moon solar eclipse at two degrees of Scorpio. Sorry, I'm just getting everything worked out here. Clicking everything. So you can see this is October 25th. This is 6.48 a.m. Eastern time. And we have our new moon solar eclipse. And we have two major players in this uh, eclipse. Um, Venus is conjoining the sun still. Uh, it's still pretty close to the sun, but it's in its exile. And Mars is the host, and it's stationing retrograde within five days afterwards. Um, th this new moon, lunar eclipse, is also conjoined the south node, a.k.a. K2. I've been telling clients that I think of this eclipse as the beginning, which new moons are, of an ending which is what I relate to the South Node. And also Scorpio is a time of release and compost. The card associated with this, this uh, eclipse is the Five of Cups. And the Five of Cups shows a, a figure in mourning. And this Deccan is really about, I, I call it ritualized mourning. So you can see the figure is cloaked in black. There's three spilled cups, and there's two still standing behind him. I do think that leading up to this period, we are going to see something that we were attached to that we are going to lose. I don't know if that's collectively or individually. It may be both, depending on where this eclipse falls in your chart. Um, it probably will be sad. It probably will be difficult. And it may be you know, cause a lot of reevaluation of certain things in our life. But there is some secret uh, silver lining in this card. I think that it's, um, 
I think that there is a, a need. First of all, there, you don't want to spiritually bypass your pain. The key with this Deccan is acknowledging your suffering and your pain. I think that you have to do that. This is a great eclipse to just ugly cry and mourn the loss of something that you are attached to. Okay, Sometimes it's our desires. The, the Scorpio, to me, Scorpio, the Mars, Mars's job in Scorpio and Scorpio in general is fighting and defending against the dying of the light. It's like something is dying and needs to die and needs to be released. But Scorpio is saying, I'm going to defend this dying life force with every inch of my being. Okay. Now, that can cause a lot of pain and suffering and heartache. Um, I think that a, a more graceful way of dealing with Scorpio energy is instead of defending against the dying of the light is, I, I don't know, I, I could see both sides. There's some situations where it is important to fight and it is important to defend your territory and your, and your, you know, what you are attached to. But for the most part, if you look at the transition between Scorpio and Sagittarius, by allowing what needs to be released to be released, you liberate energy, spiritual energy, to find a new outlet and a new goal like Jupiter and Sagittarius. Okay? So think about that. Think about, examine during this eclipse, where are my own personal desires? Because there's a diamond with this deck in called the Nymphi. Austin Kappa calls this deck in a jawbone. T. Susan Chang calls it a storm of tears. It's a double Mars-ruled face. It's one of the most martial places in the entire zodiac. So Mars severs and separates. Book T calls it loss and pleasure. Book of Toth calls it disappointment. Now the Nymphi, the desire part comes from the Nymphi who are objects of desire. Um, and I think that when we examine the things that aren't healthy for us, that can lead to some really positive changes. I think that we're going to be examining things that just aren't working for us anymore at this eclipse. And how do we learn how to release, right? Um, yes, Alley Cat says, do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage, rage against the dying of the light. Yes, there may be some situations where that is appropriate. And that is a beautiful line. What is that, Langston Hughes, right? I, maybe, maybe I'm misquoting, but um, I think that there's some situations where it is important to hang on. There's others where it, all we're doing is creating corruption. This, this Deccan, we have a, a realization of those things that, that may be passing out of our lives. In the second Deccan, we get nostalgic for the past, okay, with the Six of Cups card. And we, have, we, we come back together with something to maybe glean its essence in like a setting sun type of moment, but then to move on. Dylan Thomas, thank you, sorry. Uh, and then in the third decan, if we're still hanging on, that card's called debauchery. And that, that's where we're, we're like the necromancer, where we're, we're so enamored with the old form that isn't vital anymore, that we're, we're creating all sorts of uh, addictions and, and challenges to try to keep something alive that no longer wants to live anymore, that needs to be liberated. So if you realize that in the beginning of Scorpio season, there is a way to accept the things that are passing out of your life and to 
maybe even not hasten them, but just allow it to happen. A gardener needs to compost the old forms from the previous season to create fertility for the future. Okay? That doesn't mean that we're like only dreaming about the future of fertility. Sometimes you just have to, you know, turn the compost pit and let the things heat up and be present in the moment. And this moment, maybe we're turning the pit and we're just in the smelly compost pit and we're just, you know, mourning the loss of our beautiful uh, tomatoes that some of them rotted on the vine. And oh, isn't it a shame that we didn't get to eat those or we didn't pick them on time? But if you try to eat those, you'll make yourself sick. So the best thing that you can do is throw that tomato in the compost pit with the knowledge that that rotten tomato will provide sustenance the next season. And isn't that beautiful coming into alignment with that cycle? That's the way to do this gracefully, in my opinion. I think this is going to be a hard eclipse. The moon is in its, in its fall, right? The moon's in its fall. I said exile last week in regards to a Scorpio moon, but I was thinking of Venus. Um, the moon's in its fall. It's a really tough place for physicality, right? It's also conjoined a fixed star called Mia Placidus, which is in, in the constellation, the Argo. So it, there may be a journey that we're going on that is necessitated. And the Argo and Jason and the Argonauts, they were, went on that journey to go find the golden fleece. You may have to become an explorer. You may have to step into the unknown. You may have to get uncomfortable. Not know, or You may have to accept some things that you don't know the answers to. When you release something, you don't always exactly know what you're going to plant next year. You don't know what harvest you're going to have. You don't know what the weather conditions are going to be like, but you still compost because, you know, that's where the faith comes in. So that, that may be the energy, I think, of this eclipse is w willingly letting something go and giving it its proper due and then turning towards gratitude for what is still supporting you in your life with these two cups that are still standing, okay? Okay, so that's the eclipse. We're rounding the bend here, we're almost done. Hopefully everyone's doing good out there. I'm, I'm kind of fading a little bit, but we'll get through to the end here, we're almost there. On the 26th, well, Mercury making a trine to Mars, okay? So here's Mercury now in that third decade of Libra, you know, creating a, a situation where we're asking ourselves questions about what could create harmony, asking ourselves questions on how to rebalance um, our energy. I always look at Mercury to say, where should we be asking good questions? Not where we should be making definitive statements, right? Okay, it's important to do that. Uh Oh no, <laughs> no, Tiffy's called. Tiffy says, sorry, Spencer, but no rotten or sick molded things in the compost. You may get phytophora <laughs> in your soul. <laughs> okay, so so here, that, there's a lesson in that too, right? Maybe we don't need to hang on to that rotten tomato at all. Maybe we just need to return it to the earth and not have any expectations about future fertility regarding with it i like that 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 um that shift right maybe we only compost we only save something 
that will lead to future fertility. But if we have something that is just, you know, unretrievable, irreconcilable, then we just let the earth have it. We don't want to eat it anymore, right? Like this, I'm speaking metaphorically too. You know, there may, it's okay that there's a situation that might not be salvageable and, and truly releasing it will liberate you for whatever the, the next cycle is in your life. Okay. Yeah, so Mercury is where we ask questions. And you may be asking questions, how to restore equilibrium and what needs to be let go of at this time, okay? Now, when we get to the 27th, the moon is out of bounds again, right? So the moon is out of bounds from the 27th of October till the 1st of November. And here on the 27th, it's the same energy that we had before, where the, both the sun and Venus went through this cycle. And now Venus is going through the same cycle. It, it goes through a trine to Mars. I mean, it, it, here's, here's a story that's happening for each of these planets. Trine Saturn. Then it trines Mars. Then it squares Pluto. So here is the point in the time where we've gone from this trine to Mars to the square to Pluto. So again, we may be questioning uh, authority. We may be questioning how we bring balance to positions of power. Um, we may be exposing corruption and, and you know, arguing with, with corrupt entities at this point or something of that nature. So again, it's a, it's a similar story that each of those planets is going through. Um, Allie Katz says, is it a good time to start something new though? As much as I want it, I'm not sure today is the day. I pulled a card on it and got three of swords reversed. Um, we're always starting something. But again, it's the beginning of letting go. It's the beginning of an ending. So if you're going to like say, am I going to build something that's going to be about promoting physical growth during this period of time? Nope. But are you starting a process of grieving or letting go or composting an old form in your life? Yes. So that's why these South Node eclipses are weird, especially the Scorpio ones, because there's this like paradoxical energy of something new, but also, you know, releasing something at the same time. There's, there's all sorts of things where you could do, hey, this is the beginning of the end, right? I'm sure most of you have experienced that where you knew, hey, well, this is initiating a letting go process. You know, maybe it's a, a note in the mail about something or maybe a diagnosis of some sort and you knew it was the beginning of a deterioration or, or something. We've all gone through those experiences. So, uh, yeah, and Mercury is going to be going through that journey that I've been describing. And then on the 28th, the 28th, we have another solar phase. We have Jupiter is uh, retrograding, or actually an ingress, sorry, is retrograding back into Pisces. So here we can see now, you know, Jupiter's back in its own domicile, back to be applying to Neptune. Um, we may be really reevaluating the, the dream and what we're willing to sacrifice for it. Okay, so uh, really pay attention to your why around this period. All of these events are going to be really encouraging us to get in touch with our, our spiritual purpose, okay, with our why. That's not always true with every aspect, I think. I mean, we can spiritualize everything, but at the same time, sometimes there's certain aspects that are like, this is really about getting down to your practical brass tacks. 
Well, when Jupiter retrogrades into Pisces, there's going to be a, a, a focus on, you know, maybe your sense of grief and loss helps you to reevaluate why you're doing something and what your source of meaning is in life. That's often when we find the greatest insights is when we're at our lowest points. Um, we, when we lose something, it really does cause, cause us to ask questions about why we're doing what we're doing. And I think this could be a moment with Jupiter retrograding into Pisces. Um, Kate says, it's okay to take time and grieve. You don't always have to know what to do. I agree. I agree. Uh, Allie Cat says, I love that you seem to almost always have a really insightful take on things. Well, thank you, Allie Cat. I'm, I'm, uh, I try. I, and if I don't have an insightful thing on something, I'll, I, I hope that I'm self-aware enough to admit it and be like, you know what? I don't know. I'll think about that. I think that's, that's the best way to be in this position where you're, sort of an advice giver is if you really do have a thought on something, then give it. But if you don't, it's okay to say that you don't have a, a good, uh, it's good advice. Sometimes we just have to be with something too. So thank you, Allie. Um, Susanna says, I'm sorry, the Sandman has arrived for me. Oh, okay. Uh, thank you for being here, Susanna. I appreciate you and uh, get some good rest. I know we, we're going late. I'm, I'm probably speaking a lot of you to sleep and <laughs> you're up here so i hope that i've you know wistfully transited you into sleep and dreamland with my peaceful melodious tones and my expensive you know microphone <laughs> oh boy well sweet dreams friends um so let's wrap this up we got two more little things to discuss and then we'll we'll be done for the day uh, on the 29th, um, Mercury is going to move into Scorpio to join, you can see here, to join Libra, or I'm sorry, to join the Sun and Venus, okay, on the 29th and the 30th here. So again, uh, the questions we'll be asking about, it be less about how to create balance and more about how do we, what do we need to let go of? What, what do we need to defend? Uh, and what do we need to release? Okay. And then... The big news of the month is that our friend Mars, who is now hosting all of these planets, Mercury, the Sun, and Venus, is going to turn retrograde. And there it is, October the 30th, 9.25 a.m. Eastern Time. Now, remember, Mars is also out of bounds, so not really acting and on its best behavior already. And now it's going to be, you know, going retrograde, which also can tend to weaken its expression or destabilize it on some level. Okay. So it is providing the clay for all these Scorpio planets. Now, now I will also admit that it does not witness those planets by a whole sign aspect. So there's going to be some difficulty for those planets receiving energy from Mars. I would say that probably... Jupiter is trying to help by a whole sign trine, and Saturn is also providing significations by a whole sign square. Um, th this, this retrograde is going to last from October the 30th to January the 12th, 2023, where it stations direct at 8 degrees of Gemini. And eventually, Mars will move into uh, its um, fall in Cancer on the 25th of March. 2023. So we've, we've got a long way to go in this Mars Gemini energy. And honestly, 
if you want to get my full rundown long, like two hour thoughts on this, I did a podcast with Melissa LaFara and Shu Yap on the Energetic Principles podcast. So I would, um, I would really recommend listening to that for my full, the full range of my thoughts. Um, and it's, it's, Shu had some good insights. Mel, Mel LaFara had some good insights. That would be the way to really get in depth in that. But I think just briefly, again, I've been hinting at all of the themes with this. There may be some kind of ultimatum or black and white situation where we, we are going to be reevaluating the choice that we made. There may be some kind of metaphorical execution that we made that we ha- I may have to backtrack off of. Some opinion, some declarative statement. Um, we're really trying to get clear about what stays and what goes, and we may have to really review it for, for this period of time. Um, I think that it is going to destabilize Mars a little bit. It, you may feel a little cranky. You may be popping off with your words a little bit more. So it's really important to think twice before you speak. Um, it's really important to try to, to use your words to create clarity and ask questions rather than to create division and divisiveness. I will also say that this is the time where we're going to be really heating, elections are going to be heating up in America, midterm elections, and every election in America now is like life or death stakes anymore. Like, is our democracy going to survive after this election? It's, it's, it's frustrating and a little bit unsettling. And I think everybody's going to be trying to sway people to their side, and they're going to be saying all sorts of mess about the people that they don't like. And I would encourage you maybe to be above the fray. Tap into your inner Saturn. Embrace the things that you believe in while coming from a place of love rather than a place of hate. I had an uncle who in 2016 was really, uh, he was very much in favor of our former president. I, I was not. And I, I wanted to talk to him before that election to understand his viewpoint. And he started on his rant that he that people often do that are supporters of this individual. And at the end of the conversation, I I just asked him, I was like, man, that's I, I understand some of your concerns, but also it sounds like you're coming from a place of anger and hate. And I, I just encourage you to whatever you choose, just come from a place of love and unity. And his response to that was, fuck you. And he hung up on me and, and he, I haven't talked to him since. I tried to call and leave messages and tell him that I love him and that I still accept him. Uh, but he's chosen not to be a part of my life anymore. And that's really unfortunate. And um, that was literally the last thing I said to him and the last thing that he said to me. And I think that there's potential for that kind of um, experience, uh, unfortunately, right now. And I hope that all of you will, will um, come from a place of your higher self and trying to do what is, what is best, but also understanding the other, another person's perspective. And again, don't fall prey to the rhetoric and fear and slander like Kate is talking about in the thing. I think that it, that's going to be really amplified during this period of time. And you may have to kind of step away from it every once in a while and find out how to create your sense of peace. Doesn't mean you should ignore some of the things that are happening because it's really important things happening. I, I do think, 
I would encourage you if you live in America, go vote. Maybe even vote early if you can. Okay, I, I'm permanently voting early and I love it. I love absentee balloting. And just go vote. You know, if you want to spread messages of peace and love, go do that. But the rhetoric and the slander and all of that, it's just toxic. And you don't have to, you know, participate in it exclusively or, or at all. And fight for the underdog, fight for the people that need you, but do it from a place of, of wanting to be peaceful and to bring unity rather than dividing. And that's my plea to you for this period of time, because I think that the Mars retrograde is going to, a lot of the themes, especially in America, are going to get spicy around that. But it, it, all over the world, there's probably rhetoric that's happening in Europe or, or Asia or wherever other listeners are. And, and, and try not to fall prey to the people that want to divide us. And because I want you to consider this. The people that are most divisive are really trying to manipulate the, the most disadvantaged people in the world. And they're trying to do it because they're trying to trick you into to overlooking their abuses of power. And what they want the most of all is the people that aren't in power to be fighting with each other. Because then that allows them to do all sorts of nefarious things while people are looking the other way, fighting with one another. The most powerful that you can be is when you band together as a community and not allow anybody who is trying to, to consolidate authoritarian power to turn you against your brothers and your sisters and your community, your aunts and your uncles, your family, your, your country people, your world people. That's how you can be more most powerful throughout this is there's going to be people that will try to tap into your fear and try to tap into your sense of scarcity, um, especially as we, we deal with the ramifications of, of past actions when it comes to um, consolidating wealth, uh, abusing our resources and the earth. There's going to be really difficult challenges that will require us to come together and when we allow people to divide us and point fingers and projections, that's when we really are, everyone's going to lose. And this is something I talked about on, on the podcast with Shu and with, with Mel. Gemini tends to, especially Mars and Gemini, project our own shadow onto another. And what we have to do is integrate that shadow and accept it and and be able to, you know, um, integrate it. I think I already said that. Like, you know, it's one of the things where we have to, you know, accept it and reunify those two split parts of ourselves. So if you're feeling about like really angry and pointing a finger, it's, a, it's an important time to take a look in the mirror and figure out what about that is really making you know, that you might not like about yourself or that you might, um, that you need to deal with in your own life and your own challenges. Because it's so easy to demonize the, whatever the other is, whether it's another political party, whether it's another, uh, an immigrant or someone that's not part of your community, whether it's an, an opposite sex or an opposite lifestyle, all of those things are, um, ways that we, we create, uh, an externalized shadow. 
So do your good Jungian work and integrate the shadow so that you are a whole person once again and that we all can be a whole community once again. So that is what I have for the astrology of October. I'm going to end this today with an animal and a hexagram like I normally normally do. Uh, the hexagram that I got was number 27, no changing lines. Um, and it translates to nourishment, the jaws, like the mouth. It looks like a mouth, like an open mouth, the hexagram does with a solid line on top and bottom and open lines in the middle. Other translations are bulging cheeks, nourishing others and being nourished. You are what you eat, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Be careful about what you take in. Um, I think that there is a very, there's a balance with, especially with political season. I'm not a huge fan of like being glued to the news during political season with the caveat. And I will say this, there's, like I said, there's a balanced thing. You don't want to put your head in the sand and ignore what's going on, especially if there's a people that are uh, underdogs or underserved communities that are being abused. That is important. Um, it is a privilege to be able to ignore the news. Okay. If you're in a position to be able to ignore like all of this stuff, you know, I mean, God bless you, but you got to go to, go to battle for the people that don't have that um, luxury. That being said, pace yourself. You don't have to be, you know, inundated with all of this noise all the time. Okay. Be careful of what you take in. Ask questions. Try to get multiple perspectives. Don't get lost in the echo chambers that happen around these period of times. Take proper care of your body, mind, and soul. Be careful what you're taking in, but also be careful what you're putting out. How are you nourishing others? Are you, are you nourishing them with poison and hate and getting angry at whoever and whatever? Or are you giving a vision of hope? This is why, I know, say what you will about him, but this is why our, our, one of our previous presidents, Barack Obama, had a successful campaign because he, he focused on hope. And I think that we can still do that. I, 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 man, I long for those days where, where politicians were giving us hope instead of giving us a, a mouthful of fear. And uh, I hope that we can, as a community, demand that, we, uh, that our, our leaders give us a vision of what we hope for rather than just manipulating us into avoiding what we would fear the most. So I think that that, that nourishment is really important, that, that you have to consider as an individual how you're going to do that. Um, I like this hexagram, yeah. Alley Katz says 27 is very auspicious. It is. I think that it, as long as we regulate what we take in and what we put out especially, um, we are either going to be choosing to contribute to the, the peace and harmony and unity of the world, or we're going to be contributing to the divisiveness of it. And you have that choice. That's where you reclaim your power. If you're feeling disempowered, disenfranchised right now, and many of us are, with good reason, you get to choose your expression in the world and what you are going to create. Just as I'm choosing today to, to speak my opinion about choosing peace, you get to choose how you put your energy out into the world too. I could sit here for three hours and be on a soapbox and complain 
And I do a little bit just to be a little sober about things, but I try to be balanced with how do we take that righteous indignation and do something good with it, right? Good, not divisive. The animal that I got for all of you today is one that I get quite a bit on these, this broadcast. It was the jellyfish. And the jellyfish speaks to going with the flow. Stop forcing things. Venus is all about receiving the good in the world if we only open up to it and appreciate it. So gratitude, opening up to receiving joy. Uh, shine your bioluminescence. Jellyfish is a great one for Aphrodite because Aphrodite emerged from the, the, the ocean and she glowed. And then she was adorned by all of the spirits, right? The, the uh, oh geez, what are they called? The, the, the name is escaping me right now, but the little sprites, the little cherubs were adorning her. But they didn't adorn her for any other reason than just her shining her bioluminescent light. So you don't have to like earn people's good fortune or respect. Just be yourself, right? Shine your light. Jellyfish is great at, at rebirth as well. If part of it is cut off, it will be able to regenerate itself. So there may be a time where you need to start over, and that might be something with this eclipse. You may have an area of your life where something is going out of your life and you have to start over. So stay calm. Try to find your balance again. Get back to the basics. Try to keep things simple. If you overcomplicate something, that can lead to some suffering. Um, just be careful with your with your words. Your words can sting. See, jellyfish have stingers. So, so Mars and Gemini retrograde words can be really stinging and divisive. Try to relax, release stress. Acceptance is the key. And I'll give you the serenity prayer. This is you know God or divine. Give us the the ability to accept the things that we cannot change because there's plenty of those to change the things that we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That's going to be important moving forward through October. All right, friends, that's what I've got for you today. Thank you so much for hanging out with me for three hours. You, you all are amazing, wonderful people. Again, if you are still here and listening to it after the fact, leave me a comment. Let me know how this experience in October is going for you. Uh, please hit the like button for me to get this out in the, the algorithm to more people. Subscribe to the channel if you're new and to the newsletter. Um, Libra Deccan Sale. You can learn more about Libra if you want to. There's 20% off on the store on my website. And thank you so much for all of you being here today. Uh, all sorts of great comments and contributions and questions. You all are a very kind audience, and I hope that we've cultivated a, an environment of kindness and a safe sanctuary here. And I hope that you take the time that we have together and it helps you to, to shine that out into the world. So that's what I've got. As always, friends, uh, be kind to yourself. Be kind to one another. Take, take, take care of yourself. And I'll see you the next time. Peace, friends.